And we are on air for Fan for Racing NASCAR Weekend Preview, and we are previewing the season finale at Homestead Miami Speedway this weekend, and that's for all three of NASCAR's top series, uh, the Cup Series, the Xfinity, and the Gander Outdoor Truck Series. So uh, joining me for tonight's show is our co-host, Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. Little, uh, little excited and a little sad, as you pointed out. This is actually obviously our last preview uh, show of the year, so uh, that's always a little sad, mm-hmm. but it's super exciting as we look at this Ford Championship weekend across the NASCAR's top three series. Yes, we have a lot to talk about tonight. We'll be covering uh, the championship four drivers in each of the three series, uh, and uh, we'll start that at 9 o'clock. But during our first half hour, Jay and I will get into some news that came out today with regard to the Arkham Menard series and the uh, uh, Canon Pro series, which will be under that Arkham Menard series banner for next season. So uh, we'll give a few updates there. Uh, as uh, well as I'm hoping during this first half hour, Jay, we can also update what's going on with our fantasy game. Uh, this is the last weekend for that, too. This has all been for bragging rights all season long. So hopefully we'll do that during that first hour, half hour as well. Well, and we certainly have had some changes over the past couple of weeks. Uh, the Cup Series was close all year. <laughs> That one got a little more spread out, but the winner of each one has yet to be determined. Okay, so we'll get into the details of that in a little bit. But uh, just so you know, 9 o'clock we'll talk about the Gander Outdoor Truck Series uh, Championship 4. At 9.20 we'll get into the Xfinity Series Championship 4. And at 9.40 we'll start talking about the uh, NASCAR Cup Series Championship 4. 10 o'clock, of course, is our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. And uh, at that time, we have a lot of silly season news that came out just today, not to mention all the other news that has been coming out. Uh, So we will talk about all of that during our 10 o'clock half hour. Uh, And Andy Lasky will be joining us at that time. Now, uh, so it's going to be a full night. Jay, without a doubt. Yeah, you called it the 10 o'clock half hour. Uh, even on a regular Monday or Thursday, we have a tough time making it inside of an hour. And I don't know that we're going to be able to get to all of it tonight because there has been a lot, like you said, just today alone. Yes, so we'll try to get uh, as much of it in as we possibly can. The good news is this. Uh, Even though it is the season finale for our preview show uh, and our Thursday night show, we will be back this coming Monday night for our season finale for the Monday night show, which means that we still have another hot topic night uh, on the books for next Monday night. So uh, if we don't get it all in tonight, we'll be able to get it in on Monday night. And then we go on break until the season kind of gears up again uh, for 2020. So we may do a special uh, sometime in between, but uh, uh, I know my schedule gets real busy around the holidays, and uh, we'll see if we can't get something in. It probably won't happen in November or December, it'll probably be January before we'll get another radio show uh, special in if we do that. 
Yeah, I know. I think last year, uh, I think we did do one in January, maybe or early February, a week or two before the season. Because, again, obviously a lot of things yet to happen through the off season uh, that I don't think will necessarily even come yeah. out by Monday. Plus, we'll have to talk about the championships themselves come Monday. So that in <laughs> and of itself will be a hot topic. Yes, indeed. So uh, definitely looking forward to it. Uh, let's go ahead and move to the Arkham Menard series because one of the big news stories, and we'll talk more about this on uh, on our hot topics, I'm sure, but one of the big news stories today was that NASCAR and NBC Sports is launching Track Pass on NBC Sports Gold. And what that means for fans is that they'll be able to watch live events for the Arkham Menard Series, uh, select Arkham Menard Series events, including the uh, Arkham Menard Series East and West races, the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour, uh, and tentpole grassroots racing events, as well as the Cup Series and Xfinity Series practice and qualifying sessions during the uh, half of the season that NBC Sports covers those events. So uh, the cost, I think, is going to be somewhere around $4.99 a month or $44.99 for the year. And there are uh, lower price packages uh, if you want to kind of narrow that down. But, uh, wow, uh, I think that was huge news. This is to kind of take over for what FansChoice.tv was doing uh, all season this year and the last couple of years in running those, uh, especially the Canon Pro Series, uh, now the Arkham Menard Series East and West uh, races uh, so that fans would be able to watch them live. What's cool about this, though, is you'll be able to get it through the app and you'll be able to stream it right off the TV. Well, and uh, you're right. We're going to have to discuss this a little bit more in Hot Topics. Uh, There's several different aspects to it. But as far as this announcement itself, um, i actually kind of a little bit surprised it hadn't happened sooner. I know we've talked about this in the past of with this day and age, the digital digital streaming and uh, is, is kind of the direction that, that the world is going. So um, almost seems like it was a necessary step to take. And we'll get into uh, how it's going to come out and uh, our opinions on it uh, during Hot Topics. <laughs> Yes, I think overall, so Jay, I think it's probably good news for all the race fans. Uh, there is a cost to it, which I know some race fans were, were not used to paying for this service, but uh, I do think it, in the long run, it's going to be a good thing for race fans. I, I certainly think so. I mean, the platform itself, I, I think, is going to be successful. Um, like I said, I don't want to get too into it because I know it's going to come up during hot topics. But right. you're right. I think it is. Like I said, I think it's a it's a necessity um, in the, in the way the world is now. So they're taking that first step in doing so. Yes. So that was huge news that came out about uh, three o'clock Eastern time today, and uh, that's how recent <laughs> this news is. Uh, and uh, you can read more about it if you want to read more about it. All you have to do is go over to arcaracing.com, and they have the article up there where you can read more about it, and they have links. So if you want to sign up to uh, receive the emails as this continues to roll out, uh, you'll be able to do that. So 
just an alert to all the race fans to uh, check that out. Also, there's some uh, really interesting articles there as well, uh, talking about Brad Smith soldiering on in his seventh uh, to seventh in the Arkham Menard Series standings for this season. Uh, an article about Tommy V. Jr., who we've talked about, has been had a really solid season uh, this year, and it's expected that he'll probably be called Rookie of the Year at the Series Awards Banquet this year. So a couple of really good articles there, Jay. I can't see how he's not, and I know even in, in our coverage, I mean, we talked about him um but not enough because he really did. Uh, when you look at what the year Venturini Motorsports had, the championship run that that organization put on, uh, he kind of got overlooked. I know we tried to hit on him as much as we could. Um, and to finish six, I don't see how he cannot be named Rookie of the Year. Exactly. So I think I think it's going to be awesome. Uh, they also have the Mid-Ohio uh, racing schedule is posted there. If you want to check that out, the Arkham Menard Series will be racing there on May the 29th. Uh, and then another article as well uh, with the season finale at, at uh, Phoenix last week. It kind of ended one era uh, in this series and opens up a new uh, chapter as it goes from the uh, Canon Pro Series to the Arkham Menard Series. So uh, uh, an interesting article about that as well. And then um, uh, also some news coming out today uh, with regard to a couple of the drivers that have raced in the uh, Arkham Menard Series, and that is that Christian Eckes is going to be driving the number 18 for Kyle Busch Motorsports next season along with Rafael Assard, uh, who is uh, going to be racing full-time in the number four at Kyle Busch Motorsports. Again, we'll talk about this during Hot Topics because there certainly is a Hot Topic component to this. Was it, was there a Hot Topic part in that one? No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> like I said, I almost think we should have done that, you know, 10, 20 minutes on each of the series and then just started Hot Topics with everything that's been going on. But there, there's some great news. Yeah, and you yeah. talked about the uh, the era of the Canon Pro Series East and West now becoming the Arkham and Arge East and West. And, and, again, I think that breaks down, again, it's the evolution of the sport and I think overall is a good system. Well, you know, we obviously have to wait and see how it plays out. We've talked about each individual set of schedules, which the Arkham and Arge West schedule I haven't seen yet, but we've already seen the East. Talked about that a little bit. But then again, the opportunity mm-hmm. with these showdown races and the combination of all the um, that tier coming Here's- together for one battle. So um, definitely something to look forward to. And you're right, a great article there. And, and throughout the off season here, these uh, sites we talk about, the Arkham Menard series, as well as the NASCAR home tracks. I mean, that's going to be your source uh, as most cut down on their, right. their publications and whatnot throughout this off season. But a lot of information still comes out. Yes, indeed. So we want to redirect folks over to the ArcaRacing.com uh, website uh, for that news. Uh, same story is on over at uh, Home Tracks with regard to uh, the NASCAR and NBC Sports launch for Track Pass on NBC Sports Gold. But there's also some uh, other interesting stories, uh, an article on Jagger Jones uh, picking up the 2019 Sunoco Rookie of the Year honors in the West. So uh, certainly well-deserved there. 
Most certainly. And again, he was up there battling for the championship as well. It ended up he was at sliding into the, the battle for second through fourth. But obviously, again, another one that had a great year, possibly didn't get the amount of coverage due to somebody else's awesome season, but uh, a very great <laughs> season in and of his own right, very deserving of that Rookie of the Year title. Yes, yes, it certainly was. Unfortunately, we did have an opportunity to talk with uh, Jacker Jones a couple of more than a couple of times actually here at Fan for Racing Radio. So uh, it, we've always had the archive of our radio shows available. If you want to kind of stroll through that, you will be able to find the episodes that Jagger Jones was a part of our show. Uh, but yeah, it, it uh, certainly was a. Uh, a great season for him, and I look for him to be back. I'm really hoping he'll be back in this Canon Pro Series uh, to compete for a championship next year. I would think so. I know we haven't heard anything official on that yet either, but uh, I would certainly think so. And it's one of those, again, as as a rookie, uh, looking real quick through this article, um, 11 top 10s and 8 top 5s, in the 14-race season, including 248 laps led, one win, one pole, and an average finish of 5.4. The problem with that is some of the past rookies we've seen come out of these series have won that championship, and this year Derek Krause able to be so phenomenal in winning that championship. Again, they kind of get slightly overlooked, but that does not diminish what they accomplished in a rookie season like that. Absolutely. Yeah, you you're right about that. Uh just the fact that uh you know, there were it was a strong rookie class and uh for him to do as well as he did is really phenomenal. And uh we want to make sure that we do put the spotlight on Jagger Jones uh, for exactly that reason. So, uh a lot of really good news there. Um any other news uh that you've seen Jay that you, we want to make sure we mention here? Well, this one still per- pertains to Jones there. As Again, I was scrolling through that full article on that. Um, Jones became the sixth driver in the last 13 years for Sunrise Ford Racing to win that top rookie mm-hmm. honors, and that includes Jason Bowles in 2007, Luis Martinez Jr. in 2010, Austin Dine in 12, Dylan Lupton, who we just had on the show in 2013, and in 2014, one of our other hosts, James Bickford. So Our very own. <laughs> he did break a three-year streak of Rookie of the Year awards by BMR. So, again, lots to, to be very proud of for that team. Uh, without a doubt, they they ought to be really proud of what they're doing there at Sunrise Board. And I think Bob Brumcotti kind of has a, um, uh, what do you call it, kind of a standing rule, if you will, uh, that he only allows drivers to race his cars for two for two year seasons, uh, and after two seasons, he brings in new blood. So uh, this is, uh, of course, Jagger Jones' first season. Uh, I think this was Trevor Huddleston's second season, so Trevor may be looking elsewhere for a ride for next year. Uh, I'm sure he's not going to have a problem there, uh, but. Uh, uh, it, it's really good that, you know, that, uh, and I hope we do see Jagger Jones come back and to take advantage of that second season with Sunrise Ford. And I know that's kind of his philosophy, and I, I know some fans look at that as as not being fair, but again, this is a stepping stone, a developmental series. 
Um, you mentioned Trevor yeah. Huddleston. I believe this is his first year with Brumcotti, so I don't know how that situation affects him. He's been in, in the ser- series mu- uh, multiple years, but it was his first series with or first year uh, with uh, Brumcotti. So we'll have to see how that oh, plays okay. out and watch again the NASCAR home tracks page there for any announcements on that. But again, realize that is part of it. Is this is a stepping stone. Uh, as they work, and again, this this next year it'll be even more closely with the Arkham Menard Series and moving up into NASCAR's top three level. Yes, and and we're already seeing that happen uh, when you think about the announcement we just mentioned that Christian Eckes and Rafael Lasard are both moving into the Cups or Truck Series next season with Kyle Busch Motorsports, uh, and and we see that happen every year. Uh, drivers from the uh, Can-Am Series or next year the Arkham Menard Series moving into uh, NASCAR's top three. So pretty cool to see that happen again. And I do. We've talked about uh, Bill McAnally kind of has the same philosophy, though, of providing that opportunity. So um, as these drivers prove what they can do, other teams take notice. So, again, giving that opportunity to an unproven driver or a rookie driver um, certainly is a, is a huge leap of faith and, and something that is really good for the sport. Yes, it really is. And, uh, you know, uh, it's always good to see these uh, up-and-coming drivers get their chance uh, to drive these cars and uh, to do well and to show what their talents are out there on the track. So uh, it's going to be another interesting year in 2020. And uh, we'll have to we'll have to wait now for that to get started. But uh, again, Jay said it, and I'm going to say it again. Uh, be sure to check in with these websites throughout the off season because they will keep you up to date with any other news that's coming out. Again, I know specifically we are still waiting on the Arca Menard Series West uh, full. Series schedule for the Arkham Menards West side. So uh, that'll be one of them. I'm definitely looking forward to uh, seeing when it comes out. Yes, indeed. Okay, Jay, we've got uh, about 10 minutes here if you want to go ahead and get started on the the, uh, update here with our Fan for Racing Fantasy game. All right. Well, let's start with the, uh, the truck series. That one, uh, Andy and myself are tied at 77 points. So, again, either one of us, uh, best finishing driver in this case, as the championship comes down to it, um, we'll take that one. Uh, Sharon, you're at 48. Sam is at 46. And James is at 43. So, again, there, too, all three of the, the other positions could swap up very easily. On the Xfinity the side, that was, yep, okay. that was in the Gander uh, Outdoor Truck Series. On the Xfinity side, uh, that one, again, Sam had a phenomenal weekend picking three race winners from three separate series. So he has taken over that one at 101. Sharon, you're at 96. Uh, so that one's a little bit of a bigger gap, um, but can still swap hands. I think I'm going to have to settle in at third at 81. And then Andy and James are at 69 and 61, respectively. So, again, either one of those could swap. Now, on the cup side, this one had been the tightest all year, but, Sharon, you managed to put a put a huge deficit there, uh, carrying 121. Sam is at 112, so that would mean he'd have to pick the race winner, get the full 10 points, and, Sharon, your driver or pick would have to be the fifth out of all five of ours, which is highly unlikely, but there's still that chance. Um, 
I'm at 109, so I'm actually out of the battle for the, the uh, championship of it. But depending, it could still swap between Sam and I. And then James is at 94 and Andy at 81. Now, for the overall, this one's still tight. Two points. I got 267. Sharon, you have 265. Now, here again, mathematically, if Sam were to do it again and took all three race winners, sitting at 249, he could actually overtake us both. So he has not been eliminated Mm. as of yet either. Um, But it really, you know, again, it's two points between Sharon and I, but Sam still has that outside chance at taking it all after, again, got to say it one more time, picking all three race winning picks last week. Yeah, that's phenomenal. Nobody's done that out of ours, right? No, they have not. I kind of went through what I had uh, notes from this year, and I didn't find any. I don't remember from last year, but not just picking the best out of our picks, but picking all three race winners is just unbelievable. Yeah, that's pretty fantastic. Um, So, again, he's at 249. Andy's at 227, and James is at 198. Um, so, again, there's still some other situations that could come up where uh, those bottom ones shift. And I was going to look and see here real quick. I believe if you want to do the Xfinity and then I'll do the Cups, I believe we have all all the picks in for those two series already for this weekend. Oh, okay. You want me to do trucks or Xfinity? Uh, Xfinity. Trucks aren't all in yet. we got to wait on Andy yet tonight. Oh, you're right. We're still waiting there. Okay, so yep. for the Xfinity side, Andy uh, took Cole Custer, uh, so that eliminated my first pick. <laughs> uh, I I took Christopher Bell, though, which I think is still a pretty good pick for this weekend. Uh, Jay took Tyler Reddick, also a good pick, and James took uh, the guy who's riding in on momentum, and that is uh, Justin Algauer. Sam, poor Sam had the last pick because he did win all three series last week. Uh, He took Chase Briscoe, which I think is a phenomenal pick. So uh, those are all really great picks uh, for this race going into Homestead, Miami. Well, and a a quick update there for the fans. That is how we do this. Since he did have, again, the best and worst winning picks from last week, he had to pick last. But, again, ending up with Chase Briscoe is by no means a bad thing. Um, but <laughs> no. did have the same same situation here on the uh, the cup side. Uh, there, Andy had to go first, took Harvick. Um, let's see, second pick went to James. He took Denny Hamlin, again, riding the momentum from last week's win. I came in with Martin Truex, which, again, I'm sure Sharon didn't get her number one pick then. But you got to take Kyle Busch, who's one of the championship four contenders. And then Sam got Joey Logano, who, again, has been in that championship hunt, only got eliminated last week, and we know he can win at Miami Homestead. So, again, uh, fifth pick isn't necessarily a bad one. That's true. That's true. We do have a couple of picks in on the truck series. Uh, James came in with uh, Ross Chastain. I took Brett Moffat. And, Jay, you took Sheldon Creed. You didn't take one of the championship four. I did, I did not. And, uh, again, with the truck series, since drivers do have uh, normally do one or two maybe seasons and then move on as they uh, elevate to the Xfinity series or the Cup series, not a whole lot of track history there. And I just feel like Sheldon Creed has been so close to winning this year. I know we haven't seen it yet um, as far as winning that championship, winning that race as well. 
I think in the truck series, at least, this might be the year we see that spoiler, and I think Sheldon Creed could be it. Well, you certainly left the door open for Sam to have at least one pick out of the championship four out of the three series. <laughs> well, I'd say I did it because I did feel bad for him, but I don't. <laughs> I know I messaged him on the board like, hey, you got to give us a chance. Um, like I said, just we've seen it in the past. Yeah, the championship has been determined by winning the race, but I really think Sheldon Creed is going to play spoiler. Okay. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. And uh, uh, again, Jay, I want to take time to say thank you to you. Uh, You've got a couple of years here of uh, keeping track of our fantasy game uh, for our group, and you've done a really, really amazing job doing that. And uh, I, I, I can't give you enough kudos for all that you've done in that regard. Thank you. Not a problem. I, I enjoy it, and again, it, as it's developed, we've had so much fun with it. I mean, uh, when we're when we're watching the race and going back and forth in our group messenger, <laughs> and that stays a little private because there's where some of the things get said or uh, you know whatever when we're trash talking and whatnot. But we have fun with it, and it, it's just been great to do. Yeah, it has been a lot of fun, and uh, I, I'll uh, you know I'm hoping that we can continue to do this next season. Uh, and when we go into the 2020 season, uh, because I'm sure it's going to be just as exciting as this season was. And it does give us, I know for, I can speak from my own personal point of view, uh, it gives me a, that added little dimension of uh, excitement when I'm watching the race because I've got the list right at hand where I can keep track of where my pick is compared to everybody else's pick for the race. So uh, I love having that added dimension. Well, and I know having been at the track with you a couple of times and in, in the messenger, sometimes it's like we're not even watching who's leading the race or winning the race. We're just watching who where our drivers are against each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it really is fun. So uh, anyway, uh, stay tuned, and we'll let you know uh, as a, as the new season begins. Uh, if we if we'll be able to continue this or not. Um, so with that, uh, we are coming up at the top of the hour here. I suppose we can go ahead and get started. Uh, I can give the preliminaries anyway. Um, All right. Let's see. Let me get my notes here. It may take me that little extra time there. Is this the Monday? Nope, that's the Tuesday. We got three different uh, series uh, notes this week. So, okay, I'm going to start with the uh, Gander Outdoor Truck Series. Uh, This is the Ford Echo Boost 200 at Homestead Miami Speedway. It will take place tomorrow night, November the 15th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. That will be on Fox Sports 1. Uh, with pre-race coverage starting at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And, of course, the radio coverage will be on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. They'll be racing a distance of 201 miles over 134 laps. Stage 1 will end on lap 30, Stage 2 on lap 60, and, of course, the final stage always ends on the last lap, lap 134. Now we're going to start with the... um, uh, we'll do the etceteras uh, afterwards, okay, Jay? 
But let's go ahead and go in alphabetical order here. We're, instead, we usually go top down, I mean bottom up. But uh, for this week, I think we'll go in alphabetical order from the top down. Okay. Well, uh, I am at the bottom, and I give a couple of updates here uh, just for the series as a whole, one of them specifically pertaining to my picture in the truck series, and that's the spoiler alert. Now, spoilers aren't unusual at Miami in the NASCAR Gander Outdoor Truck Series. Jay, Jay, in fact, Jay, you must, yeah. Jay, you must not have heard me. I said we'll save that for last after oh, okay. we I'm talk sorry. about the four title contenders. Okay, I did. I go back up to the top. Then I knew you said we were going in alphabetical here. Find right. I'm okay. sorry. <laughs> no, that's all right. Yeah. Uh, that'll give me starting with uh, Ross Chastain, who, again, James took here for his pick, the number 45 Nice Motorsports Chevy Silverado. Now, in May, no one had Ross in their Gander Outdoor Trek Series Championship 4, and it wasn't because they didn't believe in him, because he wasn't even eligible for the series title. At that time, Chastain was running for points in the Xfinity Series while he was running full-time in all three national series. Earning, earning himself the moniker of NASCAR's busiest driver. But as the calendar flipped over to June, Castain opted to switch earning points in the Gander Outdoor Trucks, starting with the June Texas Speedway standalone race and then compete for a title in that series. Now, the eighth-generation farmer Chastain smashed his first victory lane watermelon after the May Kansas truck race, but it was, decide, it was before he decided to commit to earning points in that series. So that, that win didn't count for playoff eligibility. Therefore, in order to contend for the title, he had to work his way into the top 20 in points as well as get a win. And his second race after declaring for the truck points was Iowa. Chastain crossed the finish line first, but the truck failed post-race inspection, and that relegated him to a last-place finish. Now, that damaged his point standings and took away the automatic postseason bid that a win affords the driver. But he rebounded the next week to get the win at Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway and then managed to climb into the top 20 in just his fifth race after deciding to pursue that truck title, which came at Kentucky. And as they say, the rest is history. He added another win at Pocono in July, and tallied nine top fives and 18 top ten finishes on the year to go along with those three wins, but only two of which count now towards the postseason. In all this season, he has competed in 75 races across the three national series and recorded a NASCAR Xfinity Series win at Daytona in July for college racing, and that's the team he'll be racing full-time for now in 2020 as he again goes to pursue the Xfinity Series title. Give you a quick recap oh, okay. on his uh, playoffs. We're going to go every. We doing... We're going to go J J. Yeah, every other yep. bold section. Okay. 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 Um, for for the playoffs recap, uh, Ross Chastain entered the playoffs seated fourth, and that was on the strength of twelve playoff points. Now he's put together solid finishes in the opening round. He averaged. Uh, a finish of 4.33 through the first three races. He led a race high of 88 laps in the last race of that round at Las Vegas, but he wound up finishing second to Austin Hill after a late race pass. And he was leading with six laps to go at Talladega to open the round of six, 
but triggered that big one while attempting to block and was knocked out of the race, and that left him leaving Alabama at sixth in the standings. But he rebounded the next week at Martinsville, again leading a race-high number of laps, uh, 68 laps before being edged out by Todd Gilliland in a late race restart that uh, left Chastain finishing second. Now, that finish, along with the trouble for nearly all the other playoff contenders, vaulted Chastain to third in the point standings heading into the last race set uh, to set the playoff field at ISM Raceway last weekend. After not much after not finding very much speed through practice or qualifying, he started 14th. He was able to cross the line, though, in ninth to secure one of the championship floor slots, contending for the title at Miami this weekend. Now when we take a look at his Miami Homestead or Homestead Miami outlook, Chastain has made five truck series starts at the Speedway, spread out between 2011 and last year. His first start in 2011, he finished 27th. Then he put together a pair of top 10s in the 2012, uh, which was 10th, and 2013, where he was 8th, before finishing 11th in 2014. Here he took a break from the Gander Outdoor Trucks at Miami before returning last year, where he finished 16th while running for Nice Motorsports. In all, he has driven three different manufacturers, uh, Chevrolet in 2011 and 18, and now again in 19. He was in a Ford in 2013, while in a Toyota in 2012 and 14. Again, this is just at Miami. And he has driven for five different teams there as well. RSS, RSS Racing in 2011, SS Greenlight Racing in 2012, Brad Keselowski Racing in 13, Wintron Racing in 2014, and now Nice Motorsports in 18 and 19. And of a note, Chastain, his first Gander Trucks win earlier this year came on the 1.5 mile of Kansas Speedway, which is the same length as the circuit outside Miami. Okay, next we're going to take a look at his crew chief. Uh, crew, crew chief Phil Gold has been on top of the pit box for all but one of the Gander truck races with Ross Chastain this year. In the June Texas race, when he was the crew chief for Kyle Benjamin, uh, is the only exception. Now, the pair teamed up for three wins, nine top fives, and 17 top tens, as well as the pole position at Michigan. This season is goals first at the helm of the Gander Truck Series team. He's spent the last six seasons in the Xfinity Series overseeing the operations for Roush Fenway Racing's efforts with Ryan Reed in 2016 and 18 and with Elliot Sadler in 2015. And we all remember Brian Scott at Richard Childress Racing in 2013 and 14. Now, Friday night's race will be Gould's first Gander Truck Series start at Homestead Miami Speedway, but he has made six trips there in the Xfinity Series, recording one top ten, and that was with Brian Scott in 2014 when he finished in 10th place. And under Team Talk, this season marks Nice's Motorsports' third campaign in the NASCAR Gander Outdoor Truck Series and their first appearance in the playoffs. Chastain's three wins this season were the first 
for the organization, and they've tallied 23 top 10s in 2019, in addition to 18 from Chastain, and Jeb Burton had two. Uh, Timothy Peters had two, and Bailey Curry had one. While Chastain has been the team's lone full-time entry this year, they've had a total of 13 other drivers record at least one race behind the wheel of Nice Motorsports equipment this year. Angela Ruck will be making her eighth start for Nice Motorsports this season and her 10th overall in 2019 as she's entered in their second truck at Miami. Okay, next up of our championship four is Matt Crafton, driver of the number 88, Thor Sport Racing Ford F-150. Now, after missing the championship four last season for the first time since the elimination-style playoffs were introduced uh, to the truck series, Matt Crafton is back this year to contend for the title at Miami. Now, the long back-to-back champion in the series history, he did that in 2013 and 14, got to Miami the hard way, and that's through consistency. Crafton is the only driver of the championship four who has not visited Victory Lane yet this season. In fact, he hasn't hoisted a trophy since Eldora Speedway, and that was in July of 2017. A string of 57 races without a win, but he's put together six top five and 17 top ten finishes this year. Now, during the regular season, Crafton finished on the lead lap in all but one race, and that was at Kentucky, in which he was only two laps down at the finish. He had just two regular season finishes outside the top ten. That was a 14th at Atlanta and a 13th at Kentucky. And during those 16 races that set the playoff field, Crafton posted an average finish of 7.25. Including the six playoff races, he has averaged a finish of 9.1 for the season. Now, to take a look back at Crafton's championship seasons, uh, both of those were before the current playoff format was introduced to the truck series. He had only one win in his first title campaign, that was in 2013, and the fourth race of the season at Kansas, another 1.5-mile track like Miami, Uh, And then he finished 21st in the season finale at Miami, but had already locked up the title by starting the race. Now, in 2014, Crafton won a pair of races en route to that title. But both of those wins were early in the season at Martinsville in the second race and then at the 1.5-mile track of Texas Motor Speedway, the sixth race. He then finished ninth at Miami to close out the title by 21 points over Ryan Blaney. So uh, some really good uh, info there on Matt Crafton. If we look at this year's playoff recap, as consistently good as his regular season one, the playoffs have been a little bit of a roller coaster. After an average finish of 7.25 in those opening 16 races, Crafton has had an average finish of 14.12, in the six playoff races thus far. Engine issues at Las Vegas also knocked out his Thor Sport racing teammates Johnny Sauter and Grant Enfinger out of the playoffs, relegated him to a 30th place finish after completing only 39 laps. Unfortunately for Crafton, he was in good company with playoff drivers having issues at Martinsville as he finished 23rd. A strong showing through the opening two stages of the race at ISM Raceway last weekend helps Crafton jump from 5th 
in the standings, entering the race to the fourth and final championship contending slot, beating out Austin Hill by six points for that position. Now we'll take a look at the Homestead-Miami outlook. The elder statesman of the Truck Series Championship 4 field has the most experience at this weekend's finale venue by a lot. Now, Crafton has raced at the South Florida track 18 times, recording a win in 2015 and three top five and ten top ten finishes. He's completed all but six of the laps that he's ran in those 18 events. In his last five visits to Miami, he's tallied a top ten and also has a runner-up finish from 2009. In all, Crafton has 163 starts at the 1.5-mile circuits, including uh, a recording nine wins, 54 top fives, and 103 top tens, and that goes along with 10 pole starts. Now when we look at the crew chief corner here, we got Carl Jr. Joyner and Matt Crafton. They've been teamed up together at the track since 2012. It's been quite the successful parent. Together they won 12 races, all but two of Crafton's career Gander Outdoor Truck Series total, and put together 67 top fives and 130 top tens. Joyner was also atop the pit box for Crafton's two championships in 13 and 14, and at Homestead Miami Speedway, Joyner has helmed seven races, all with Crafton, including the win in 2015 being his only top five at the venue, but five total top tens. The pair has an average finish of 8.9 together at Miami and com- have completed every lap run during those seven races. Okay, now under team talk, Matt Crafton and Thor Sport Racing go together like peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> Crafton has raced all but 25 of his 452 career truck series races with Thor Sport. His lone year away was in the 2004 season, and that's when he was racing full-time for Kevin Harvick Incorporated. In addition to longevity with Thor Sport Racing, Crafton is also in his 15th consecutive season with sponsor Menards on the hood of his truck. Thorsport Racing is the longer, longest tenured team in the Gander Outdoor Truck Series, and it does it all from their Sandusky, Ohio headquarters. They have a pair of Gander Truck Series titles to their credit from Crafton in 2013 and 14. And the next contender up alphabetically again is the number 52 Hamar Friesen Chevrolet of Stuart Friesen. He's a journeyman dirt tracker who cut his teeth on short tracks in the Northeast. 36-year-old is a bit of a late bloomer on the NASCAR National Series scene, but has quickly made up for lost time, winning a pair of races and qualifying for the championship four in just his second season of entering every race on the schedule. Friesen made his Gander Truck Series debut in 2016, running six races that year, putting together a best finish of 13th in New Hampshire. His team upped the commitment the next season, running 19 races and posting two top fives and five top tens, including a tough runner-up finish result at Eldora on dirt. A full-time campaign last year earned Friesen his first playoff berth after nine top fives and 16 top tens. But this year has been especially impressive as he captured his first Gander Trucks win at Eldora 
and followed that up with his first National Series win on a paved track last weekend at ISM Raceway to clinch his spot in the championship four. So far this season, he's recorded 12 top fives and 16 top tens, as well as a pole at Martinsville early in the season. He's been very consistent with only three DNFs, two due to crashes, which was Daytona and the opening lap of Pocono, and then one to mechanical issues at June in Texas, ending with an average finish of 8.4. Okay, now looking at his playoff recap, uh, Stuart Friesen's regular season consistency has carried into the playoffs as he's put together an average finish of 7.0 during the six postseason races. The lone finish worse than seventh was a 19th place effort at Las Vegas. He's been in a solid points position throughout the postseason as he entered the playoffs at Bristol, seated third. He was then fourth in points after the first cutoff race at Las Vegas and entered last weekend's race at Phoenix in second place, 35 points ahead of the fifth-place driver, and that put him in a solid position to advance to the championship four, even without the automatic qualifier in the win which he did do last week. <laughs> in his Homestead Miami outlook, he's got a very solid history at this weekend's season finale venue. He finished 29th in his first visit there in 2016, but was 7th in 17 and 4th last year. Overall, at 1.5-mile tracks, Friesen has made 29 starts and posted 10 top fives and 14 top 10 finishes. His performance this year has been up and down at the tracks of that distance, while he has a pair of runner-up results at Texas on the first trip in Kentucky, as well as two third-place finishes at Charlotte and Chicago. He's also had four finishes of 15th or worse. Okay, now we'll look at the crew chief corner uh, with longtime crew chief Trip Bruce, uh, who's been on top of Friesen's pit box since the start of the 2017 season. Now, the pair have partnered for 23 top fives, 32 top tens, as well as both of Friesen's wins this season. Bruce has served as crew chief for at least a portion of 13 seasons in the truck series and four seasons in the NASCAR Xfinity series. He's very familiar with Homestead Miami, and he knows how to take a driver to victory lane there. He's been at the helm for seven races in South Florida and has won his first two starts at the track. He did that in 2004 with Casey Kane and again in 2017 with Johnny Benson Jr. His drivers have an average finish of 9.4 at that track, and they've compiled the two wins, three top fives and five top tens. And when we talk about the team, Helmar Friesen Racing is synonymous with Stuart Friesen's ascent to the NASCAR Gander Outdoor Truck Series. And it's a tribute to his roots as he's tied into his dirt racing team, Helmar Racing. The team made the playoffs for the first time in 2018 with Friesen, was eliminated after the first opening round. This year marks their second shot at the title, or their first shot at the title after advancing to that championship four. Okay, next up on our list here is the defending champion, Brett Moffat, this year driving the number 24 for GMS Racing in a Chevrolet. Uh, and he's looking to become just the second driver in series history. We talked earlier about Matt Crafton, who did it in 2013 and 14, and 
Brett Moffat wants to be the next champion to repeat. And although the results from year to year look the same, he has six wins, 13 top fives, 13 top tens in 2018, uh, and four wins, 12 top fives, and 16 top tens this year. Not much else looks the same for Moffat. Last year he won the championship with the little team that could. That was with Hattori Racing Enterprises in a Toyota with Scott Zipidelli as his crew chief. This year he's in a Chevrolet with the multi-truck GMS racing outfit and has Jerry Baxter on top of his pit box. Now Moffat's versatility was shown this season as his four wins came at a wide variety of tracks. He won at the 7-8 miles oval at Iowa Speedway, the 1.5-mile speedway in Chicago, the half-mile concrete short track of Bristol, and then the 2.459-mile 10-turn road course at Canadian Tire Motorsport Park. In addition to his truck series accomplishments, the 27-year-old was also the 2015 Sunoco Rookie of the Year in the Monster Energy Cup Series. When we look at his playoffs so far, he started out strong, winning the opening two races at Bristol and Canadian Tire Motorsports Park. Those victories vaulted him into the round of six and added to his playoff point total, helping him put put him into the championship four following ISM Raceway. And those points, as well as the misfortune of a couple other playoff drivers, carried him through after a tough Martinsville outing where he finished 29th after a crash took him out early. Okay, now if there's any place that Moffat should feel confident, it's at Homestead, Miami. Uh, it's this weekend's season's uh, finale track. Now, Moffat won last year's race at Homestead, Miami to take his first Truck Series championship in his only career series start at the track. Plus, four of his 11 career Truck Series wins have come at 1.5-mile tracks, including Atlanta, Chicago, and twice at Miami. Now, on, on his pit box, he got the crew chief, Jerry Baxter, and he's the third of the four championship four crew chiefs looking to win their first Gander Outdoor Truck Series title. The veteran has sat atop the pit box for 388 NASCAR National Series races, 184 of them being in the trucks. He's recorded 15 wins with seven different drivers over nine seasons in the trucks, has definitely put up his best numbers across the board this season, recording four wins, which is tied for the most in his career. In 2013, he did it with Bubba Wallace. Twelve top fives, best in his career, and 16 top tens, which is only one shy of his career best of 17 in 2016 with Christopher Bell. Baxter has also had success at Miami, winning in his debut as a Gander Outdoor Truck Series crew chief at the track in 2012 with Cale Gale. He also won there with Bubba Wallace in 2014. So he's got those two wins, two top fives, and three top tens in just seven races at Miami. All right, under Team Talk, and then we'll get quickly into the Xfinity Series Championship 4. GMS Racing won the 2016 NASCAR Gander Outdoor Truck Series title with Johnny Sauter behind the wheel. It was their first, and to date their only 
National Series title. GMS has 27 Gander Truck Series wins to their credit since joining the series just in 2013. They're the only team to have fielded a Gander Truck Series Championship for a driver, Johnny Sauter in 16 through 18, Justin Haley in 18, and Brett Moffat in 19. So the only series to field a championship driver in all four years of their current elimination-style playoff format, uh, and that should be a championship four driver. So uh, that's a pretty impressive uh, uh, stat there for GMS Racing as a team. Now, quickly getting into the Xfinity Series, uh, they'll be racing their championship board for racing uh, event, the Ford Echo Boost 300 at Homestead, Miami, this Saturday, November the 16th. That race should start sometime around 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time with pre-race coverage on NBC Sports Network starting at 3 radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. They'll be racing 300 miles over 200 laps. Stage 1 ends on lap 45, stage 2 on lap 90, and then, of course, the final stage ends on the last lap. So, again, we'll just start with the championship four and uh, move our way down in the same manner. All right, starting alphabetically, you got... Justin Algeyer, the driver of the number seven junior motorsport Chevrolet Camaro. Now, he was coming off a winless drought all season, but the junior motorsports driver pulled out a big win last Saturday at ISM Raceway to advance to the championship four and have a shot at this weekend for this series title at Homestead Miami Speedway. The season has been a struggle in comparison to past seasons as the Illinois native hadn't won until last weekend at Phoenix. Now, for the third time in four years, the veteran has a shot at that Xfinity championship. He finished third in his previous two championship four appearances in 2016 and 17. He's made a total of 32 series starts in 2019, uh, gathering the one win at ISM Raceway last weekend, 16 top fives, and 24 top ten. He's also led 607 laps this season and managed an average start of 7.1 with an average finish of 8.9. In addition, he's posted solid season-to-date loop data stats, including a driver rating of 109.6, which is fourth best, an average running position of 6.769, which is second best, and a total of 391 fastest laps run, which is fourth most. He also completed 92.9% of the laps out of 5,206 in the top 15, which is the series best. Okay, now we'll look at his playoff recap. Algar has been one of the most consistent of the playoff drivers this season. The 33-year-old has posted a fourth-place finish at Richmond Raceway, a fourth-place finish at the Charlotte Roval, and then a runner-up finish at Dover International Speedway to close out the round of 12. Now, Algauer didn't slow down there. In the round of eight, he finished fifth at Kansas, sixth at Texas, and then he grabbed the checkered flag at an ISM raceway last weekend to guarantee his spot in that championship four. When it comes to Homestead, Miami, expect Algar to run well this weekend for the title as he has the most Xfinity Series starts at nine among the championship four. The junior JRM standout has made nine starts in, in the, at the Speedway, 
posting two top tens and an average finish of 14.1. In his first championship four appearance in 2016, he started six and finished six. Then in his second appearance in 2017, he started 16th and finished 12th. And he's finished seventh in the last season's series finale. Now we'll take a look at the chief, crew chief corner. Jason Burdett is the crew chief for the JR Motorsports number no. 7 Chevrolet team. He began his racing career with several local teams around the Watkins Glen area in 1998. He transitioned to North Carolina and joined Robert Yates Racing, and a year later he helped Jarrett's team to the title as a tire specialist. He then moved to Hendrick Motorsports, and in 2001, Burdett earned a second championship with driver Jeff Gordon. In 2007, Burdett joined Michael Waltrip Racing, reuniting with Jarrett and serving as crew chief of the number 44 team in the latter half of the season. It was there that he honed his skills at the top level of NASCAR competition and leveraged that experience into a return to Hendrick Motorsports in 2008. In the five years since, Burdett excelled as car chief of the number 24 team from 2008 to 2010 before moving over to Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s number 88 team from 2011 to 2014. In 2015, he joined Junior Motorsports as crew chief of the number seven car with driver Regan Smith. Now that pair finished fourth in the series standings that season, and Al Gower replaced Smith in that number seven car in 2016, and the duo has been working together ever since, producing together eight wins and three championship four appearances. When we talk about that team, the Junior Motorsports has won three Xfinity Series driver championships, all with Sunoco rookies, Chase Elliott in 2014, William Byron in 17, and last year with Tyler Reddick. The organization began its Xfinity Series program in 2005 with driver Mark McFarland and has since won 46 races, including two this season. Okay, next up of our championship four is Christopher Bell, who drives the number 20 Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota Supra. Now, Christopher Bell is having another outstanding NASCAR Xfinity Series season, putting up a career-best eight wins and clinching his spot into the championship four for the second consecutive year. Now, if Bell were to win the Xfinity Series title this year at this weekend at Homestead, Miami, he would become just the fourth driver in NASCAR National Series history to win both the Gander Outdoor Truck Series and the NASCAR Xfinity Series championship in his career. He would then join Austin Dillon, Johnny Benson Jr., and Greg Biffle in doing so. Now, Bell has made 32 starts in 2019, uh, producing a career-best, again, eight wins, He won at Atlanta, the first Bristol race, the first Dover race, the first Iowa race, New Hampshire, Road America, the second Richmond race, and the second Texas race. He also has with that 19 top fives and 20 top tens, along with six poles that he took at ISM Raceway, the first race, Texas's first race, Charlotte, the first race, second race at Iowa, Kansas, and the second race at ISM Raceway. 
He's led 1,968 laps, the series most, this season, and he's managed an average start of 4.2 with an average finish of 9.2. In addition, Bell has posted a really solid season to date with loop data stats, including a driver rating of 120.6. Again, that's the series best. An average running position of 6,000, I'm sorry, 6.139, again, a series best, and a total of 1,173 fastest lap run, again, that is the series most. He's also completed 85.3% of his laps run, which is 4,779. In the top 15, uh, Okay, yeah, he's run all those laps in the top 15. That is the eighth best in the series. Well, looking at this year's playoffs, he returns in 2019 looking for an exemption after the title slipped through his fingers last season. Once again, the round of 12 was a tumultuous one for Bell. He won the postseason opener at Richmond Raceway to clinch his spot in the round of eight, but then fought through a 12th place finish at the Charlotte Roval and a 25th place finish at Dover International Speedway due to carburetor failure the next week. Much like the first round for Bell, the round of eight was filled with mixed results. He started on the pole at Kansas and finished 12th, then went to Texas the following weekend and won to clinch his spot in the championship four for the second consecutive season. But last weekend, he looked to have the dominant car at ISM Raceway after winning the pole, but due to an early pitch penalty and subsequent spin, when trying to come back through the field, he finished 16th. Okay, now Bell made his Xfinity Series track debut at Homestead, Miami in 2019 while running part-times for JGR and competing full-time in the truck series. He started the race third, but he finished 36th due to an engine failure. Then last season at Miami as part of the championship four, Bell started on the outside front row, led nine laps, and finished a very disappointing 11th in the race. That was the lowest among the championship four drivers. Tyler Reddick was first, Cole Custer second, and Daniel Hemrick finished fourth. That left Bell in 11th place. Ultimately, he finished fourth in the series' final championship standings. In his two Xfinity career starts at the track, he posted an average start of 2.5 with an average finish of 23.5. Bell has also made three Andrew Outdoor Truck Series starts at Miami, Homestead Miami, posting one top five uh, runner-up and two top ten finishes with an average finish of 11.7. And in his year next year as well as this year, when he moves up to Cup, is going to be Jason Ratcliffe for that number 20 Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota Supra. He's one of the most successful crew chiefs in the series. He led Joe Gibbs Racing's Kyle Busch to a unified Xfinity Series driver and owner championship in 2009, followed that up with the second consecutive owner title in 2010. Ratcliffe has also guided Busch to the NASCAR Xfinity Series single-season record of 13 wins in 2010. He began his crew chief career in the Xfinity Series back in 2000 at Bruco Motorsports, working with driver Casey Atwood. He stayed there for three more years, working with Jamie McMurray and David Green before joining JGR in 2005. 
from then. He has worked with multiple drivers in both the Xfinity Series as well as Monster Energy Series for JGR. Now, the duo of Bell and Ratcliffe have combined to put up the Xfinity Series rookie record of most wins in a single season with seven last year. And in total, the duo has visited Victory Lane 15 times in the two full seasons they've worked together from 18 and 19. If Ratcliffe leads Bell to the title this weekend, he'll become the 11th different crew chief to win multiple driver championships in the Xfinity Series. Okay, we've got uh, team talk here, and then we'll get into two more drivers. We may have to summarize, Jay, in order to get it all in in our time frame. Okay, now Joe Gibbs Racing started its Xfinity Series program in 1997 and has amassed 165 series victories, two unified driver and owner championships. That was in 2009 with Kyle Busch and 2016 with Daniel Suarez, and three owner championships in 2008, 10, and 12. Now, the 2019 season marks the third time that Joe Gibbs Racing has fielded drivers in the championship four. In 2016, Eric Jones and Daniel Suarez. In 18 and 19, it's with Christopher Bell. If Joe Gibbs Racing wins the owner's championship again this season, the organization will extend their series lead in the owner title, owner's title to six. The next one, alphabetically, there is Cole Custer, driver of the number double zero, Stuart Haas, racing Ford Mustang. He's posted a career-best seven victories as he returns to the Xfinity Series Championship 4 for the second time in his career. In 2017, he fell just short of that, but at the end of the day, finished fifth in the standings as a rookie. Now, last year, he fought hard for the opportunity to make the Championship 4, but finished runner-up in the season finale to Tyler Reddick. In the end, he managed to finish second in the 2018 driver standings and bring Stuart Haas Racing its first ever owner championship. Now that California native returns uh, to looking to add the driver's championship to his resume. In total, he's made 32 starts this year. Again, seven wins coming at California, the first trip to Richmond, Pocono, Chicago, Kentucky, Darlington, and Dover on the second trip. Pulling up 16 top fives and 23 top tens with six poles. He's led 907 laps on the year with an average start of 5.7, an average finish of 9.2. He's posted stout season to date loop data stats. Uh, he had second best driver rating at 113.0, fourth best running position at 72, 7.249 second most in lap, fastest laps run at 763, and seventh best in laps completed at 88.2% of the 4,944 laps. In the top 15. Okay, now, uh, for playoff recap, the California ace Cole Custer is laser-focused on his title this season, and it shows in his playoff performance so far. He started the postseason off with a third-place finish at Richmond, an eighth at the Charlotte Roval, and then rounded out the round of 12 with a victory at Dover International Speedway. Custer's good fortune continued in the round of eight as he finished 11th at Kansas, 8th at Texas, and secured his spot in the championship four with a runner-up finish at ISM Raceway last weekend. Now, Homestead, Miami holds a special place in Custer's heart, the site of his first career win, and he did that in 2017 in dominating fashion. His 
started from the outside the front row, led 182 of the 200 laps, which was 91% a race record, and set the record average speed for a race at the track at 136.140 miles per hour. Last season in the championship four, he started from the pole, led a race most 95 laps, but again finished runner-up to Tyler Reddick. He's got three starts at the track, posting an average finish of 7.0 and an average finish of 6.7. Okay. Crew chief Mike Shiplett of the Stuart Haas number double zero in the Ford Mustang team has spent most of his career working multiple with multiple part-time drivers during the season, but this year looks to make his name amongst the championship crew chiefs of the series. Shiplett began his uh, career with the Everham Motorsports in 2007 and 8, was promoted to crew chief in the Cup Series for Gillette Everham Motorsports, and in 2009 he moved to RPM, Richard Petty Motorsports, to crew chief multiple drivers in the number 44 car in the Cup Series and hit it off with A.J. Allmendinger. So he moved to the number 43 car with him in 2010 and 11. Shiplett then returned to NASCAR Xfinity Series uh, as the CC on a part-time business working with Turner Scott Motorsports in 2012 and 14 until the team was acquired by Chip Ganassi Racing in 2015. He also has worked with multiple drivers in the series at uh, Chip Ganassi Racing from 2015 until this season when he joined Stuart Hawes Racing after Chip Ganassi Racing continued their Xfinity program after 2018. In total, Shiplett has led seven different drivers to victory lane in the series, totaling 24 wins. This season, Shiplett has led the double zero team with Cole Custer to seven wins, 16 top fives, 23 top tens, and he's looking to become the 27th different crew chief to win an Xfinity Series Driver Championship. When we take a quick look at the team, SHR started its Xfinity Series program in 2017 with that double zero full-time with driver Cole Custer. Since then, they've finished fifth in 2017 and second in 18 in the driver championships, and his runner-up finish last year finale was good enough to get their first series owner championship. Now the organization returns looking to bring home the first unified driver and owner championship this weekend. Marks the second time a Stuart Haas racing driver has made it to the championship four, both in 18 and 19, under Cole Custer. Next up is Tyler Reddick in the number two for RCR. Uh, He is the defending Xfinity Series champion and heads to Homestead, Miami, looking to become just the seventh driver all-time to win back-to-back titles. Uh, Joining Sam Ard, who did it in 83 and 84, Larry Pearson in 86 and 87, and Randy LaJoy in 96 and 97. Also, Dale Howard Hart Jr. in 98 and 99, Martin Truex Jr. in 2004 and 5 and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. in 2010 and 12. He would be the first to do it under two different teams. Reddick won last season driving for Junior Motorsports, but what's even more impressive is Reddick's in 2019 season has been better statistically than his championship rookie year. Uh, the California native has hoisted a career best five trophies this season and leads the series in top fives with 23 and top tens with 26. 
He's made 32 starts in 19, rallying off five wins at Talladega, Charlotte, Michigan, Bristol, and Las Vegas, 23 top fives, 26 top tens. He also led 484 laps and has managed an average start of 6.2 with an average finish of 6.5. Ruddick has also posted notable season-to-date loop data, including a driver rating of 110.5, the third best, average running position of 6.779, third best, and a total of 519 fastest laps run, third most, and completed 90.6% of his laps, which is 5,074 run in the top 15, which is third best. His playoff run has been strong in 2019, kicking off the postseason with a 10th place finish at Richmond, runner-up finish at the Charlotte Roval, and then 12th at Dover International Speedway to close out the round of 12. Round of eight was also full of momentum, runner-up at Kansas, the pole at Texas, but finishing 29th due to a late race incident, but then locked himself into the championship four with the third-place finish at ISM Raceway last weekend. At Homestead, Miami, expect Reddick to be poised to give it all he has this weekend for the title. He's put on a clinic this last season at Homestead, Miami, and route to his first championship. In 17, Reddick made his series track debut there by winning the pole and leading 18 laps on his way to a fourth-place finish. Last season, he started fourth and raced his way up to the lead, bouncing off the outside wall multiple times. He led the final 37 laps as he cruised to victory lane and the championship. In two starts, his average finish at Miami is 2.5, the best among the championship four. And he also has three truck series starts there at Homestead where he's earned two top fives, three top tens, and an average finish of 3.7. Now his crew chief, Randall Burnett, is a former late model racer who received a mechanical engineering degree from UNC Charlotte before beginning his career in 2005 in NASCAR as a seven-post analyst engineer and a lead team engineer and data acquisition engineer for Chip Ganassi Racing. In 2010, Burnett was a lead engineer, race engineer for driver Jamie McMurray from uh, 10 to 12 at Chip Ganassi in the Monster Energy Cup Series. The following seasons, he worked with Juan Pablo Montoya in 13 and Kyle Larson in 14 and 15. In 16 and 17, he was promoted to crew chief with JTG Daughtery Racing and leading driver A.J. Almondinger. Then late in that year, he moved to RCR, Richard Childress Racing, to work in the Xfinity Series flagship car number two with multiple drivers. In 2018, he led TIFF to the Xfinity Series playoffs where the pair finished fifth in the final standings. Now, he continued with the number two this season and has led Reddick to five wins, 23 top fives, and 26 top tens. Again, looking to become the 27th different crew chief to win an Xfinity Series driver championship. Now, RCR has won two Xfinity Series unified driver and owner championships with driver Kevin Harvick in 2001 and six. In addition, they won two driver championships with Austin Dillon in 2013 and Clint Boyer in 2008. The organization has also won the Xfinity Series Owner Championships in 2003 and 7. RCR began its Xfinity Series program in 1995 and since has won 84 series races. 
In 2019, it marks the third time RCR has fielded drivers in the championship four. In 2017 and 18 with Daniel Hemrick, and now in 2019 with Tyler Ruddick. Now we'll go ahead and move on to the NASCAR Cup Series and that championship four, and uh, we'll probably really have to race through that because we are quickly running out of time, Jay. All right, go ahead and give the stats, and I'll get us to the first driver. Okay. The Ford Echo Boost 400 will take place at Homestead Miami Speedway on Sunday, November 17th, starting at 3 p.m., with pre-race coverage on NBC's uh, starting at 2 p.m. Also, radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They'll be racing a distance of 400.5 miles over 267 laps. Stage 1 ends on lap 80, stage 2 on lap 160, and the last stage ends on the last lap. All right, and I will start again alphabetically. It would be Kyle Busch in the number 18, Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota Camry. And he's eyeing, multiple, eyeing to join the multiple championship club after winning the 25 or 2015 Monster Energy Cup Series in dramatic come-from-behind fashion. He's looking to become the 16th driver in series history uh, to win multiple championships. And you can uh, look those up online. Um, there's a total of 15 others. And we, he will have to battle it out with two other drivers also looking for their ser- second series championship and Martin Truex who won it in 17 and Kevin Harvick who did it in 2014. Okay. Now the regular season champion is looking to reign in the end. Kyle Busch earned the 2019 Monster Energy regular season championship with four wins, 13 top five, and 21 top ten finishes through the first 26 races. He tied a series all-time record with 11 consecutive top ten finishes to start the season. It marks his fifth consecutive year that Bush has won at least four races, and he's won multiple races in 11 of his 15 full-time seasons. His pole-winning lap at Phoenix uh, last week marked the first pole position of the season, extending his run of seasons with a pole win to 12 straight years and 14 of his 15 full-time seasons overall. Now, Bush has established himself as a championship ready from the drop of the first green flag this year, reeling off that streak of top ten finishes and becoming the first driver to hoist four trophies this year. He's now like He'd now like to become the first active driver since Jimmy Johnson won his record-tying seventh season title in 2016 to repeat as a Monster Energy Cup Series champion. This is Bush's fifth consecutive championship for appearance at Homestead, Miami. His lone win at the track came in 2015, giving him the first series championship. He was runner-up to Martin Truex, though, in 2017 and finished fourth just last year. And he does have momentum on his side at a track that appeared to be a thorn for him where he struggled to find victory lane, but he found it and it mattered most in 2015 and picking up that championship. Since then, Bush has three top tens, including that near championship miss of runner up to Truex in 2017 and fourth last year. Now, although he won the 2019 regular season championship, he hasn't hoisted a race trophy since June 2nd at Pocono, but that's not a big concern as of the five playoff season, playoff 
seasons in which Bush has qualified for the championship for, and that's from 2015 to the present. Twice in 15 and 16, he didn't win during the nine playoff, nine race playoff stretch to set that final quartet. And in 2015, he went on to claim the championship. Bush has seven top tens in 14 starts at the South Florida 1.5 mile, including six in the last seven seasons. His lone win came in 2015, wherein he led 41 laps and held Kevin Harvick off by 1.522 seconds. Okay, now, uh, since pairing up with Kyle Busch in 2015, crew chief Adam Stevens has shown that he's one of the best in the series. Now, since uh, pairing up, they've run 126 Cup Series races uh, since 2015 with 26 wins, 80 top fives, 114 top tens, 6,925 laps led, 15 Bush Pole Awards, and one Monster Energy Cup Series championship in 2015. Five consecutive Monster Energy Cup Series championship appearances and six consecutive Cup Series playoff appearances. Whoops, I just scrolled right past there. Okay. Oh, okay, just move on to the next topic because I keep scrolling past it. All right. Well, the question is, how do you follow up a Hall of Fame football coaching career that included three championships at the highest level? You pursue your fifth championship, uh, already having four and counting, in the highest level of motorsports. Coach Joe Gibbs led the Redskins to Super Bowl titles, the Washington Redskins in football, to the Super Bowl titles in 83, 88, and 92. His racing stable has now won Monster Energy Cup Series championships with Bobby Labonte in 2000, Tony Stewart in 02 and 05, and Kyle Busch in 2015. You toss in a couple of Xfinity Series crowns in 09 with Kyle Busch and 16 with Daniel Suarez, and you understand why Gibbs was chosen as this year for the NASCAR Hall of Fame, the second professional sports Hall of Fame for the coach. Now, the odds certainly seem stacked in their favor, to add to that legacy, as three of the four championship-eligible drivers this year are Joe Gibbs Racing competitors. You've got Kyle Busch, Martin Truex, and Denny Hamlin. All four team drivers, who include Eric Jones, qualified for the 2019 playoffs, and his Xfinity Series driver, Christopher Bell, won a series best of eight races and also contending for that championship. Okay, now back at Homestead, uh, the last time Denny Hamlin competed among the championship four for the Cup Series championship was 2014, and that was the debut of the series' new playoff system. He finished third in that race, which was run by uh, championship four driver Kevin Harvick. Now, even though Hamlin won multiple races uh, in the uh, next three seasons, his best championship finish in the number 11 at JGR was a sixth place, and that was both in 16 and 17. That's not to say, however, that Hamlin hasn't raced for the title at Homestead previously. His closest near best to hosting the big trophy came in 2010 when Hamlin finished runner-up to Jimmy Johnson, who recorded his fifth straight championship that year. Now, Hamlin won at Texas and held solid points lead over Johnson in the series headed to Phoenix for the penultimate race. 
But instead of clinching his first championship in the desert after leading a commanding 190 of 312 laps at Arizona, Hamlin had to pit late for fuel and ended up 12th. He took a 15-point lead over Johnson in, Homestead, in the Homestead finale, but made contact with Greg Biffle early in the race only managed, and only managed to climb up to 14th place. Now, Johnson finished runner-up and took the championship by 39 points over the then 30-year-old Hamlin. However, the most recent race winner among the four title hopefuls with the statement making uh, win at Phoenix on Sunday he said that he's been looking forward to another championship opportunity for years. He is the only multi-time Homestead winner among the championship four, winning in 2009 and 13. He won the pole there in three of the last four races in 15, 17, and 18, and has top ten finishes in five of the last six races there. Now, it is a championship race debut for crew chief Chris Gabert. Again, this marks the return of Denny Hamlin to the championship eligibility for the first time in five seasons. It'll be the debut for first-year cup crew chief Chris Gabehart. The longtime JGR team member Eric member uh, led Eric Jones to a fourth-place finish in the 2016 Xfinity Series championship and last year led the efforts of the team's Xfinity Series standout Brandon Jones. Since pairing with Hamlin in the number 11 JGR Toyota, Gabehart is one-for-one one in title eligibility, won a Daytona 500 trophy in five other races, including this last weekend's must-win race at Phoenix. He's led the team to a position in the championship four, but is considered a very legitimate championship favorite. Under his leadership, Hamlin earned a career high in top five finishes with 19 and most trophies at six since a career-best eight-win season back in 2010. Okay, I'm going to move right on to Kevin Harvick for the sake of time here. Uh, Hamlin's uh, looking to take home his second Cup Series title in the race this weekend at Homestead. The number four uh, Ford driver won the first championship race at Homestead under the current elimination-style format in 2014 for his first and only series crown. In 18 starts at the track, Harvick's claimed one win and a series-high 10 top fives with 16 top tens. He has the track series best average at 6.6 and second-ranked driver rating at 108.2. His 373 laps led is tops among the championship contenders this weekend. He's finished worse than third place in only once. That was a fourth-place finish in 2017 in five championship races under the current format there. It also marks the only time in those five races that he did not lead a lap. He led at least 46 in the four of the five races. And he'll have a familiar face back atop the uh, number four Stuart Haas Racing Team pit box in Rodney Childers after missing the 2018 championship race while serving a two-race suspension. Penalty was for failing post-race at the R&D Center following the Texas race that season. Childers guided Harvick to the title in 2014, the pair's first year working together at SHR. Their success has produced, the success they've produced makes Harvick a favorite at any track in any week of the season. But after missing that title opportunity last year, 
they're eager to retake his position, or Childers is eager to retake his position atop the pit box, and again, looking for a second title. The only act, other active driver besides seven-time cup champion, Jimmy Johnson, to be with multiple series championships. Since they've been together six years ago, the two have won 26 races, earned 102 top fives, and 149 top tens. That includes 14 top fives and 20 top tens in all six seasons they've been together. And he's won multiple races in each season, including a career high in 2018. And earning the victory at Texas Motor Speedway two weeks ago, Harvick now has 49 career wins, tying him with team owner and newly named NASCAR Hall of Fame inductee Tony Stewart. A 50th this weekend would tie him with NASCAR Hall of Famers Junior Johnson and Ned Jarrett on the all-time wins list. Okay, now, um, just to recap very quickly, and then we'll move on to to, uh, Martin Truex Jr., Uh, Harvick can win the third championship in 10 years uh, for Stuart Haas Racing, and also championships with different manufacturers. Uh, He's won, uh, he has a chance, he's driving a Ford this year, but he also won uh, under the Chevrolet uh, title, uh, Tony Stewart won under the uh, Pontiac title and then the Chevrolet title for several years. So uh, that's kind of interesting. Now, Martin Truex Jr. and JGR gel from the very start, uh, quelling any doubters. Uh, they've been very successful this year with a seamless move to that number 19 for Joe Gibbs this year. Coming off the 2017 title in which you won a personal best eight races on route to the championship and following that up with a four victory championship four appearance last season with Furniture Row Racing. Some wondered if that transition would go well uh, for him and his crew chief Cole Pern, uh, but that's been uh, pretty well settled at this point. Turex leads the Cup Series wins with seven, including a series best three in the nine playoff races to date. He also won on short tracks, a road course, and two 1.5-mile tracks, which are the same length as Homestead, Miami, where he will race for his second championship this Sunday. Truex's 23 top 10 finishes are his best outside the 17 championship season where he scored 26 top 10s. He won four races during the eight-week stretch uh, early late spring and early summer. His uh, three playoff victories were at Las Vegas, Richmond, and Martinsville and are tops in the field as his is his second his average finish, which is 6.2 in nine playoff races so far. And his 654 laps led in the playoffs is most among the championship four drivers. Hamlin has led 547 laps to Bush. Bush has led 296 laps and Harvick 200 laps in the previous nine playoff races. Okay, we are at 9.01, which means we need to move on, Jay. So I'm going to bring Andy into the queue here so that we can get started with our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. Andy? Hey, Sharon. Hey, Jay. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing fairly well. We had to kind of rush through our uh, preview 
portions here where we were focusing on our championship four, but we've got a lot to talk about in NASCAR Hot Topics tonight. So I'm going to let you kind of lead us off with the first hot topic. Well, I'm, I know the big one. I'm, I'm going to let you bring that up since it pertains more to you, but I want to get into one that was announced earlier this week. Um, I think a lot of us wondered what would happen with Daniel Hemrick for 2020, and he's officially uh-huh. been announced um, to drive the number eight Chevrolet uh, for JR Motorsports for 21 races next year in the Xfinity Series. So kind of wanted to see what she thought about that. Yeah, that goes along with eight races, I think, for Jeff Burton, and I think Dale's going to ride one one of those races in that car, right? That's correct. Yep, that's exactly it. Okay, Jay? Well, it's a great opportunity for him. I'll start with that. Uh, That number 18 from Junior Motorsports, we talked about uh, how they've done in their championship run since they've built that organization. So it is a great opportunity. I'm a little sad to see him not get a full-time ride um, to go after a driver's championship, but I think with that team and showing the talent that he has, uh, possibly bringing him the owner's championship, being that it will be with multiple drivers, um, could uh, reestablish him and get him another opportunity at a full-time ride, whether it be in the Xfinity and or Cup. Yeah, I I agree. I think it's a great opportunity for Daniel Hamrick. I think this is the year, though, that he must get a win. Uh, I don't know if you guys recall, but he is a driver who has gone through his entire career without winning. Uh, He did not get any wins in the Can-Am Pro Series, the Truck Series, the Xfinity Series, or the Cup Series. So taking this step to the Xfinity Series I think is a great opportunity. I think Daniel Hemrick can win, uh, but it, it's going to be a season that he must win if he wants to continue his career in racing. Andy? Yeah, I mean, you always you always hate to see a driver take a step back, but sometimes taking a step back can help one reinvent their career. Um you know, and, and obviously it was it was quite a struggle for him in the Cup Series this year at RCR. I, I really thought that they would have a much better year than they did, but it just didn't materialize. And um, you know, I would much rather see him, you know, go drive a JR Motorsports Xfinity car, even if it's only for 21 races and contend for wins, than than ride around 25th to 30th every week in a subpar Cup car. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think this is a great opportunity for him to, to kind of reinvent himself, uh, go out there and probably contend to win a few races next year. And maybe, you know, that'll open some 21, uh, 21 doors, you know, so sometimes, you know, getting an opportunity to run uh, really good equipment, even if it is on a limited basis, I think is going to help uh, keep him relevant. So, I think it's a great opportunity. I agree with Jay. I I certainly would have liked to have seen him get a full season, but at the same time, I I think that, you know, given, given like what you said, Sharon, you know, he hasn't been able to win yet in a national series vehicle. So um, the fact that he is still being given an opportunity to compete in a top tier car, I think, um, I I think is, is certainly a good thing, but, you know, I think next year is a year that he needs to, take what he can get and hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully he can break through and win, but he's, he's somebody that, you know, I've, 
I've always wanted to see succeed, and I think this year was a disappointment, and certainly next year I think bodes well for him to to hopefully get himself back on track. Jay, any follow up? No, I, I think I think Andy did say it best though. In order to reestablish yourself, if you if you're winning races or at least contending for races in the Xfinity Series, is better than not being able to in a Cup team at this point. So. Again, if that was the best opportunity for him, I'm sure he made the best decision of what he thought was the best opportunity. Um, And we'll have to see where it goes from there because I think think we all agree that he certainly can win races. He contended for the championship last year with Richard Childress Racing. So I think it will put him back into the limelight um, based on his performance with the team. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I'm glad. I I, like you guys wish – it would have been a full-time ride, uh, but it, it probably just wasn't in the cards. Uh, I'll be anxious to see if together with Jeb Burton and, and Dale Earnhardt's uh, lone race, if they can put together an owner's championship. I think you mentioned that, Jay, uh, and and I would like to see that as well. And, uh, you know, hope, here's to just hoping that he makes the best of this uh, opportunity that he has this year with Junior Motorsports. Okay, uh, Jay, what's next on your list? Or Andy, did you have any follow-up? Uh, no, no follow-up. You know, I, you know, I guess to reiterate what I've already said, I, I really think that next year is a great opportunity, and I think he'll he'll be a contender to win a lot. So, you know, certainly hoping for the best for Daniel. Okay, uh, Jay. Well, I'll I'll do the same as Andy, and I'll, I'll defer one to you, Sharon, in a minute. But uh, I'll start with uh, John Hunter Nemechek. Uh, we heard last week that it was possible he might end up driving full-time next year for Front Row Motorsports uh, as he filled in for Matt Tift. It was announced that Matt Tift will not run for that team full-time next year. So they now have two open seats um, at that team and again, we'll have to wait and see on Matt Tiff's medical conditions and what he is allowed to do or can do um, as far as returning to racing. So, how does that sit now for John Hunter Nemechek? Andy, uh, this is this is an interesting scenario. Um, you know, certainly first and foremost, you you want to wish Matt Tiff well, and, and you want to see him. Uh, and focus on his health and get better. So, you know, definitely want to be clear about that. Um, but with that being said, his departure from Front Row Motorsports may provide an opportunity for somebody like John Hunter Dimacek, um to get an opportunity in, um, you know, in that car. And I think in light of some other things that have come to light uh, as recently as today that we'll get into, um I'm starting to see a possible opportunity for John Hunter to get into one of those cars, you know, and I don't think that he's announced anything really about what's going to happen next year. So, um, you know, this, this may be a chance for him to, to get into a full-time cup car. Um, kind of mixed emotions about this. I think that, you know, seeing him, you know, competing in another full-time Xfinity season, perhaps even with a, um, with a top tier team, I think would have done a lot for his career. Um, but that mm-hmm. being said, if if he does get into a front row car, I, I don't think it's the end of the world, and you know certainly keeps him 
on track full time in the national series vehicle. So, um, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what, what comes of this for sure. Yeah. Nothing's been made official yet, but I'm with you. Um, uh, uh, I, I first and foremost want to go out to, uh, uh, Matt Tift and, and applaud him on his decision to focus on his health uh, and uh, to come to the mutual agreement to, to kind of let go of the uh, opportunity at Front Row Motorsports at this point in time with hopes of maybe returning somewhere down the road. But uh, right now, first and foremost, uh, should be his health, and we wish him the very best as he continues to uh, look into that and and get himself on a road to recovery. Um, and I say that in that's a poor choice of words when I think about it, but just to get himself back in, in uh, uh, race form. So here's the thing with regard to John Hunter Nemechek. It certainly does open the door uh, for him to maybe get that opportunity. Uh, but I have to agree, as much as I would like to see John Hunter Nemechek uh, race at Front Row Motorsports, uh, there's a part of me that also would have hopes that he would stay with the Xfinity Series another season and maybe contend for a championship because I certainly think he's capable of that. Uh, but he's going to know what's best for his career, I guess, and we just have to trust that he's going to make the right decision uh, to put himself in the right position. So I guess I'll just kind of uh, um, go with that. I don't have much of a choice to do anything other than that, but but I agree that I think in some respects if he does go to front row, uh, that we're going to miss a good chance to see him contend for a championship in the in the Xfinity Series. Uh, any follow-ups, Jay? Well, and uh, the one thing I think the reason they do look at him is he has shown throughout his uh, his career uh, with that organization. We've talked about it with a couple different organizations. Of they need a driver that is not going to tear up equipment, and, and I think John mm-hmm. Hunter Nemechek is one that has proven that. Again, coming with his own family, which again was a little bit under underfunded team, but won a champion or ran for a championship in the truck series, and they did so again without tearing up a lot of equipment. You know, some of these teams, not to say that all of them want to, but can't afford to have a driver push that limit and lose a car. Whereas an organization like Front Row Motorsports has prided itself on really not doing that with the drivers they've had. So I think he does fit that organization's model. Um, we'll have to see as far as him adapting. We've only seen him in two races so far, but he has proven that. Again, if it's a 20th place car, he brings it home in 20th place. Uh, so while that organization is still building and trying to become a powerhouse and top contending team, they need drivers like that. So I think that does suit him as far as his style. But I'm with you. I think the experience, as well as being able to run for a championship in the Xfinity Series, might have bode well better for him. But again, he's got to make that decision and, and not pass up an opportunity either. Right, right. Andy? Uh, yeah, no, no particular follow-up. You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm just really curious to see what announcements are made. But, um, you know. Either way, hopefully that we see John Hunter on track next year. 
Okay. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you to both of you for deferring this next topic uh, for me to kind of bring up. And I think I know which topic you're talking about. Hopefully I know which topic you're talking about. And that is the news that came out late this afternoon. Uh, Well, actually, we heard rumors of this as early as Monday uh, because we talked a little bit about it on Monday night's show, uh, the thought that Daniel Suarez may not be coming back to Stuart Haas Racing in that number 41. Well, today uh, that uh, rumor became a reality because uh, it was uh, Daniel Suarez himself confirmed uh, that he will not be in the number 41 for next season at Stuart Haas Racing. Uh, we don't know who's going to take that seat just yet, but the speculation uh, at the top of the list is that Cole Custer will be taking that seat for the 2020 season. Um, Daniel Suarez did come out on Twitter earlier today uh, with a big thank you to all of his fans for kind of standing by him. Uh, He did not make an announcement of where he's going to race next season. But, uh, again, the speculation and what we're hearing is that he may run in the Xfinity Series uh, next year for RCR with a part-time ride perhaps in the Cup Series. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, again, I wish it was a full-time thing, but um, anyway, that is huge, huge news. It's something that we've been talking about. I feel like we've been talking about it all year long, um, but uh, especially in these last weeks uh, coming up to the end of the season, we've been talking about this. So, Andy, I'm curious to know your thoughts on this topic. Yeah, I mean, this is this is big for sure, Um you know, on, on quite a few levels. I, I really deep down wasn't exactly sure which way this was going to go. You know, some weeks it seemed as if, you know, Daniel had a really good chance to return to that car. And other times, you know, it seemed like they were ready to move on from him. Um, you know, I guess I should start off by saying, you know, if, if you're a Daniel Suarez fan, you hate to, you hate, you hate to see anyone lose a ride. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, but at the same time, um, I, I just, it's hard to overlook results. And I, I think that, you know, I guess what I'm about to say might be unpopular if you're a Daniel Soros fan, but I guess if you, if you look at his results collectively in the 19 car and the 41 car in comparison to other drivers of those respective cars, uh, I don't know. It's just, it seems as if there's room for improvement is really the best way I can put that. So uh, I'm not really sure what the underlying circumstances are. I, I think he's a talented driver and I think he has a lot of potential and I, I think he has the potential to be a winner and be a playoff contender. Um, we just haven't seen that yet for whatever reason, um, you know, and I, I don't, again, I don't know what the circumstances are when it comes to sponsorship and all that stuff, there's a lot of moving parts behind the scenes that none of us know about for sure. Uh, But with that being said, um, it's also really hard to overlook uh, that young man in Cole Custer. He has really had a breakout season in the Xfinity series uh, with a ton of wins. He's going to be contending for a championship this weekend. Um, He's, he's had three really good seasons in Xfinity, but in particular this year, um, with, with Mike Shiplett leading that team, they've really had a breakout season. And every now and then, 
you know, you just need to reward someone based on their true talent. And, and I'm really happy to see Stuart Haas Racing reward Cole Custer for his talents and provide him an opportunity to go race a top-tier cup car. And, and quite honestly, next year's rookie class is – I've been watching the sport since 2001. This might be the one of the best rookie <laughs> classes I've ever seen uh, when you consider Custer in the 41 car. Uh, I know that hasn't been made official, but – Let's be honest. I think that's what we'll be hearing about soon. A Custer in the 41, Bell in the 95, you know, with a lot of Gibbs influence on that car. And um, Tyler Reddick in that RCR car, um, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch next year. So I'm just, you know, as disappointed as I am for Daniel, it's it's incredibly exciting for Dan, or, uh, for, for Cole. Uh, and it's really cool to see uh, that organization reward him for his talents. And, um like I said, I wasn't really sure we'd see him in a Stuart Haas car next year. I figured it would happen sooner or later, um, but obviously a great opportunity for him to um, get into the Cup Series. He's earned it. He's more than earned it, really, and, um, you know, it'll be really fun to watch. Okay, Jay. By the way, before you say anything, Jay, I do want to kind of articulate that on his video Daniel Suarez did say uh, that it was uh, a lack of funding he didn't have the funding he needed to be able to stay at Stuart Haas Racing and that was the reason why he they came to the mutual agreement I guess so you know as disappointing as that was I really applaud uh, Daniel for for being honest about that so Jay well, and we kind of had heard that that it was it was the deal with Eris that was uh, limiting that. Um, <clears throat> obviously, no surprise if and when they announce that it'll be Cole Custer, that he has obviously displayed the talent and uh, deserving of the opportunity to run in a top-tier team. And Stuart Haas is uh, opting, opting to give him that. For, for Daniel Suarez, what kind of surprised me was the RCR link. Um, Again, I think there are some definitely some good opportunities there, and I think it would be good for RCR if they were to put him in the Xfinity Series and run for that championship, as well as they are obviously looking at possibly at some point returning to a three- or more-car team. So um, using him to help build that, I think he can provide that stability to the team. If it's on a limited budget, obviously that's where the part-time or in the Xfinity Series where it is a little bit, cheaper uh from what i know i don't pay any of the bills but i believe it is a little bit cheaper on the xfinity side so again it's one of those if that is the best opportunity for daniel Suarez, uh capitalize on it go back and win possibly another xfinity series championship and get that return to the cup level if that's what it takes um i know there's also been some links being that richard petty motorsports is alliance has an alliance with excuse me, RCR, and they're, again, another team that has talked about wanting to return to a multi-car team. They have indicated that they are still behind Bubba Wallace. I know I heard several and saw several things about maybe Suarez would replace Mm -hmm. Bubba Wallace, and then the last day or two it's been that they might add a second car there too. So you never know. Um, We'll have to wait and see what the final official posting is on all of these things, but I think we can lock in pretty much Cole Custer. I know that that go fast racing is still an open one. There's two front row, as I mentioned, that are still open. So uh, still a lot of things to come. 
Yes, indeed. And while I am very, very excited about the potential opportunity for Cole Custer and that rookie class uh, for next year in the Cup Series, uh, I am uh, probably equally as as, uh, disappointed for uh, Daniel Suarez. Uh, but for all the reasons that you pointed out, Andy, there are legitimate reasons for why he's in this position. I, but he, I will say this. Uh, I think that Stuart Hawes Racing tried very, very diligently and very hard to keep Daniel Suarez in that seat. Uh, it wasn't that long ago that we heard uh, Tony Stewart himself say that they were working to keep Daniel in that seat. Uh, they came out with a statement tonight uh you know very complimentary to Daniel Suarez uh and so i think they are equally disappointed that they had to let Daniel Suarez go after just one year in that seat uh i think they would have liked to have kept him in that seat uh but with with a driver like uh Cole Custer in the wings it's really really tough if they don't have that funding but here's the rub i think uh, that I think a lot of people are going to bring up, although we know the answer to it, is that Cole Custer is not necessarily bringing uh, that funding with him to that seat. So he may be in the same position a year from now. So we'll have to kind of wait and see how that plays out. Hopefully Cole will pick up some sponsorship and that will kind of end that conversation. But I could see where people might come and I'm being very honest here because you guys all know how I feel about Cole Custer. I think he's a very, very talented driver. Uh, the reason he has that seat is because of his association uh, with uh, Gene Hawes and his dad's affiliation there. Uh, but that being said, Cole has proven himself worthy of that seat with his results on the track. So uh, I think he would have been given that opportunity. But uh, I think he still needs to prove himself as far as bringing sponsorship to the table uh, because so many of these drivers have to work really, really hard at doing that. And uh, Cole, I think, does need to kind of step up and show that he can bring sponsorship to the table as well. Um, and and that's me being very, very uh, frank and honest here as part of this conversation. But uh, I, I uh, am excited for that Rookie of the Year uh, title that we'll watch next season uh, with the three top three drivers coming from the Xfinity Series with Tyler Reddick and, and Christopher Bell and now Cole Custer. Although that's not official yet, we're – we can pretty much lock that in. Um, Daniel Suarez, uh, uh, I I don't really know what's going to happen there. I know they've alluded to RCR, but, Jay, as you pointed out, there's so many other uh, places that he could land. Uh, we'll have to kind of wait and see how that ends up. Um, RCR seems to be the top of that conversation at this stage of the game, uh, but there's nothing beneficial said. So th- it leaves the door open for some other possibilities there. So uh, that one I think we'll, we'll probably have to wait and see what the official announcement is, and I would expect that announcement to come out fairly soon uh, now that uh, uh, there's the statement from Stuart Haas Racing and the video from Daniel Suarez confirming all of the rumors that we've heard this week. So any follow-ups there, Andy? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, the RCR angle is for sure interesting, but, you know, this might be exactly what, what Daniel needs, and maybe he, uh, if this comes true, uh, this might be a, a really good fit for him, and, and maybe this is exactly what he he needs to to find success and sustain himself, you know, long-term in the sport. I mean, make no mistake, um, we don't want to see him go away. I mean, I, I think that he's a talented driver that brings a lot to the sport, and, and hopefully, you know, hopefully this potential opportunity allows him to find the success that he, that he hasn't been able to find, you know, and I think we need to go back and, and, and bring up Joey Logano because just because you drive for a top tier team doesn't mean you automatically find success. And sometimes it takes a move or two to find that, that right place, you know, and maybe Richard Childress racing is that answer. So certainly we hope you know, for his sake, that that this is, you know, a potential right move for him. That being said, um, you know, I think that Stuart Haas Racing, given the fact that funding apparently was the issue, I think that sometimes you have to make an investment for your future. And I think that um, when you look at the, the prodigy that is Cole Custer and you look at that team, they have a lot of veteran drivers, you know, some of whom probably will – will start to retire here. I, I, my opinion is you may start to see some of that begin after 2020. So um, you have to start thinking about the future of your team. And I truly believe deep down that Cole Custer is the face of that team moving forward. When you mm-hmm. consider retirements from Boyer and Harvick eventually, and eventually, uh, also Al Marola down the road. So um, I think Cole Custer is a long-term investment for Stuart Haas Racing. No, maybe he doesn't have the immediate funding, but I think that they are. I think they are truly investing in their long-term plans um, by putting Cole in that car. So I, I think it's a great move for sure. Jay. Yeah. Again, you can't argue with them wanting Cole Custer in the car. Uh, the talent he has right. and, and the ability he has showed. The the, the problem is again it is. Not enough room at the end, which that's again the announcement of that they were ally- doing an alliance with Go Fast Racing, kindly led, kind of led us down that road, um, and we'll have to see if that's still an opportunity or a spot for Daniel Suarez that he can still kind of stay under the SHR banner. But we'll have to wait and see. If not, see how that does develop with what other driver. If it does, is uh, Corey LaJoy returning or what? Um, definitely going to be interesting. But I think, like you said, Andy pointed out, you know, we've seen Joey Logano come out of the Joe Gibbs team that apparently was a bust, and he's our defending champion uh, for another week at least. Mm-hmm. So the, the the opportunity to go to another organization and prove yourself is certainly there. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. I, I think that uh, of the opportunities that are possible for for uh, um, Daniel, I think the RCR opportunity is the most likely. Uh, And let me just kind of stop here and do the announcement because we're down to less than 90 seconds. Uh, We will go off the air here at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. However, we do continue recording the rest of our conversation here, uh, and the rest of that conversation is available on our podcast. The podcast, by the way, is available via all of the links that we already put out on social media, as well as the player that we have available at fanforacing.com. If you've listened up to this point, all you have to do 
is fast forward up to that two-hour mark uh, once the podcast becomes available and you can hear the rest of the conversation. Now, I let fans know that the podcast is available by going out on Twitter and uh, giving the link for that podcast uh, as soon as we're finished here tonight. Uh, of course, if you're listening on the um, uh, if you're listening on the podcast, it's going to be seamless. You'll be able to listen straight through. Uh, but uh, we appreciate all of our listeners for tuning in, and and uh, we want to say a real big thank you to all of you for doing so. So with that, uh, I will kind of continue here and just say. I do think Daniel Suarez is a talented driver. Uh, I think he's kind of gotten a little bit of a raw deal being pulled up into Joe Gibbs Racing uh, a little bit prematurely uh, when uh, Carl Edwards left. They brought him into that organization. uh, And then he only had the one-year opportunity with um, uh, Stuart Hawes Racing. I think what really hurt him the most is not making the championship uh, playoffs. And I think if he had made those playoffs, it might have played out a little bit differently. It may not have, but uh, I think making the playoffs would have helped him. Um, But uh, I think the fact that they're saying he's been released from Stuart House Racing kind of eliminates the go-fast racing thing. Uh, I don't think they would have announced it in that way uh, if, if, that was an option for him, uh, although it still might be an option. Maybe I'm just looking at it from a different perspective there. But uh, I really think the, the the best opportunity for him, and I think for fans as well, is to see him racing in the Xfinity Series and contending for that championship with the limited opportunities to uh, also race in the Cup Series and, uh, you know, you never know with that limited number of races, he could come up with a win there, given the experience that he already has in the Cup Series. We've seen him racing in the top five, and uh, I think it's not a matter of if. I think it's a matter of when Daniel Suarez gets that win, and I think the Xfinity Series gives him a good chance to get a win, some some wins under his belt. Um, within the limited time may also give him a chance to go out there and really go after a victory as well. So uh, are we done with that one, or is there anything more that people want to say? No, I think I'm good. Okay. Okay, so Andy, you want to go to the next topic then? Yeah, um, looking at GMS Racing for 2020, it looks like they are – kind of rebuilding their truck series program I, they had um you know downsized to running two full-time trucks this year but next year um obviously Brett Moffitt is returning Sheldon Creed is returning I believe Sam Bayer is going to run a lot of that schedule but also they announced I think today that Tyler Ankrum would join that team moving over from DGR probably to drive um a full-time entry for that team next year kind of wanted your thoughts on that Jay well, this one this one is kind of intriguing. Uh, I like the fact that Tyler Ankrum has signed with them. Um, there's, I'd say, eight different things to look at here. The fact that he is leaving DGR Crosley, which opens up a seat there, which somebody may need to fill. Um, we'll get to that. I'll get to that one in a minute. Um, I'm a little surprised, though, being that the possibility, again, we haven't heard anything official, but the possibility of, John Hunter Nemechek 
who is driving for GMS in the Xfinity Series might be moving up to Cup, that they aren't doing something, or we haven't heard yet, um, for the Xfinity Series. With bringing Tyler Ankrum into the trucks, I would have thought maybe Brett Moffitt would move over to the Xfinity ride then if it's true that John Hunter is moving on. Now, it may be that they are solely focusing on the trucks. Again, I know that the uh, Xfinity series, and there, but there was also rumor of them moving up to the Cup. So I'm just not sure I, I see them building more on the trucks and not continuing because, in my opinion, they have shown great strength in the Xfinity series as well with the drivers they've had. So I would like to see them more developed there as well rather than just loading up the trucks, I guess. But a great opportunity for Tyler Ankrum. I'm glad to see him get that opportunity. He has proved what he can do again um, with what he's done so far this year. Yeah, I think it's a great move for Tyler Ankrum to uh, move over to GMS Racing and race the full season and contend for that championship because I certainly think that he can and is capable of doing that. Um, I think it was announced, Jay, that GMS is closing down their Xfinity Series team so that they can focus on the Truck Series team. So from that perspective, I think it does make sense that he uh, that they are moving up um, with the number of people that they are, are or the number of trucks that they're going to run. Um, I, I, I might be wrong about that, but I think I recall seeing that GMS is not going to have the Xfinity Series team next year. Um, correct me if I'm wrong there, but I'm, I'm fairly certain about that. Um, and then uh, as far as uh, Brett Moffitt, um, uh, again, it, it may be that there's no room at the at the Xfinity Series, or it may be that Brett Moffitt is enjoying racing the Truck Series, which there's nothing wrong with that either. Uh, I think Brett Moffitt is good for the Truck Series, uh, and uh, I think it's going to be fun to see if he can come back and go after another championship again with GMS Racing for next season. Uh, so I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing if he stays with the Truck Series another season. Um, but I think it's a fantastic uh, for uh, Tyler Ankrum and uh, an opportunity for him to uh, also have a strong year with GMS Racing uh, because they have come a long way in a very short amount of time with their success as well. And I think that might be a good move for them to, to kind of close down the Xfinity Series. Andy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, the uh, I haven't seen anything official on the Xfinity team, but that has been talked about and rumored for a few months now, I think. So um, I think that's something we can probably expect to see at some point. Um, that being said, um, and, and that probably coincides with the fact that John Hunter Nemechek is being rumored to possibly join Front Row Motorsports, that would coincide with that 23 Xfinity car, um, I guess, um, transferring series, if you will, probably going, you know, as, as becoming a GMS truck team. Um, that being said, uh, a great opportunity for Tyler Ankrum uh, making the playoffs in his rookie season, driving for GGR Crosley this year. Um, certainly had a decent year. They were fortunate to win the race at Kentucky. 
Uh, I know that they didn't probably make it as far into the playoffs as they hoped, but the fact is he he made the playoffs, and any time you can do that, it certainly, um, you know, I think uh, raises your your um, your stakes and, and your net worth, if you will, from other teams. So for him to get this opportunity from GMS Racing, who I think we can consider to be one of the top truck series teams, I think um, bodes well for him to, to have a good year. I think that, um, you know, going back to a lot of these tracks for a second time um, with a good team like that will, will bode well for him. And I think that we can expect him to be another playoff contender. So uh, a great opportunity for him. And it's nice to see GMS uh, bolstering their truck series program again. You know, there was a time a couple, three years ago when they had three or four trucks and we've seen that dwindle. But, um, you know, it appears that they're going to at least have three full-time entries with a with a fourth with a fourth entry with Sam Mayer that I think will run the majority of the schedule. So nice to see them growing their program again in the Truck Series. I think that they're a really big asset to that series, and you know I'm excited to see what they can do collectively as a team next year. Jay, uh, while you guys were were talking there, I went through and looked. The only thing I can find on GMS shutting down was from different articles written back in September um, that alluded to it, but there's been, I can't find anything from the team itself um, confirming or denying that. Um, so I don't know if, you, if what source you guys had or where you were seeing that, but um, frontstretch.com is one of them that had the article back up in September. But again, there was no follow-up or confirmation of it from the team. So, We'll have to wait and see there. But like I said, I think in the truck series, they definitely have a great program, uh, obviously based on them running for the championship uh, this year with Brett Moffitt and bringing Tyler Ingram in next year as well. And and like you said, there are drivers that if that is where they excel at, uh, just as we've seen Johnny Sauter, you know, I mean, that's been his bread and butter all along. He has made cup starts. He has made Xfinity Mm -hmm. starts. But the truck series is his home, and there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. And that is what keeps that series uh, going as strong as it is. As we see the rookies battle for championships, we also see these veterans, you know, Matt Crafton being another one. That That's what that series was actually built on, if you look back to its origin, original uh, teams, if you will, Ron Hornaday Jr., uh, Mike mm-hmm. Skinner. You know, so, I mean, there is definitely something to that, and, and there is no problem with that. Jack Sprague, that was the other one. I couldn't yep. think of the name there with it. Yeah. Yeah, and Timothy Peters. I would love to see Timothy Peters get a full-time ride in the in that truck series. Uh, he's another one that I think is, is really suited to the truck series and could really contend for a championship if given the opportunity. Um, so, yeah, I like the mix of new drivers with the veteran drivers in that series. So... Uh, anyway, I uh, uh, I think we're ready to move on to the next topic. What do you have on your list, Jay? Well, it ties in two parts to, to what we were talking about. The truck series, Tyler Ankrum is leaving DGR Crosley, which opens up a seat there, and it appears mm-hmm. as though Todd Dillon needs his place to go. I have not seen anything that says he will not be with Kyle Busch Motorsports next year. However, they did announce two <laughs> full-time drivers – which is what Kyle Busch Motorsports has been running in Christian Eckes mm-hmm. and Raphael Lassard. So yet again, great news for them. 
However, there was still the question of Todd Gillen, which, again, we all believe we knew the answer to already. But, um, it, like I said, it doesn't say he won't be with them next year, but he was not announced as part of that. Right. Uh, Andy, your thoughts? Yeah, I think that um, <clears throat> I think we can almost bet money on the fact that Todd will probably be in a DGR truck next year. Um, you know, I I think – the the un the unwritten um the unwritten announcement if you will is is that um you know burden's obviously going to a JGR Xfinity car next year and and uh he can almost get the feeling that that um Todd's time at KBM has run its course and again nothing's been made official but uh you almost get that feeling and it's really kind of felt that way throughout much of the year um you know, but kind of like um, what we've already talked about with, with Daniel Hembrick and also, you know, potentially Daniel Suarez, um, you know, Todd's been under a lot of pressure to perform um, in that four truck, you know, this year. And, you know, he was fortunate to break through with a big win at Martinsville a few weeks ago. Um, you know, but him potentially switching teams to his father's team next year might allow him to really break through and, you know, be a championship contender. So um, while nothing's been made official, um, you can you can really, I think, read between the lines a little bit. And, and maybe KBM is running more than two full-time trucks next year. Um, you never know. But um, I think that, you know, you can you can kind of see where things might be heading as far as his future. Yeah, I have to agree with you guys. When they announced that there's going to be a new driver in the number four, which is the truck that uh, Todd Gilliland drives in the in the Gander Outdoor Truck Series, um, then it, it, you have to wonder, okay, so where is Todd Gilliland going to be? I, I have to say it's kind of an odd way of making that announcement uh, before announcing that the driver is out of that truck. Uh, usually they do announce that the driver's out of the truck before they announce the new driver that's going to be in that truck. Uh, so I don't know if that opens the door for maybe a third KBM truck next season or not, but we know that the personalities have not necessarily uh, blended very well uh, in the seasons that Todd Gilliland has been running with KBM. So uh he won his championship in the uh, Canon Pro Series and nearly won it in both the East and the West um, uh, with uh, the DGR Crosley brand. So I, I don't necessarily see that as a bad thing for him because, it, it, as we've been talking, sometimes it's it's the chemistry that happens within the team that makes a huge, huge difference. And it could be just what Todd Gilliland needs to really showcase the skill that he has as a driver is to go back to DGR Crossley and and go out there and contend for wins. Uh, so uh, <clears throat> I think that would be a good thing. I would rather see him do that, actually. I would rather see him go back to DGR Crossley and race for uh, wins there than to compete in a third car at KBM. Uh, just because I, you don't get the feeling that there's a strong support network there for him at KBM, uh, that uh, there's a tone that's been set that's not necessarily uh, conducive to success 
And uh, I think if Todd Gilliland wants to find that success, he really needs to step away from there. So, again, it's not been announced. Uh, We will probably hear about that uh, in the forthcoming days. But uh, I think it's an odd way for KBM to go about making that announcement uh, without saying anything about where Todd Gilliland's going to be going next year. So, uh, and, and I know that it's not up to them to announce that, but they could at least say that they've released him from the seat. Might have something to do with the fact, as I was say, it might have something to do with the fact that the driver going to victory lane told his team owner he can stay in the bus and not even come out there to be <laughs> with the team. So I don't know if that decision well, had already my- been made or if that's when the decision got made. <laughs> Well, I, I think Kyle Busch has come out on the record and said, and correct me if I'm wrong, Andy, but I think he's pretty much said they've talked through that and have come to a mutual understanding. They have, um, you know, at least from what's been reported, you know, from Kyle. Um, I, I think that a lot of these decisions in terms of 2020 plans have probably been long figured out, probably even before the Martinsville race. Um, you know, again, a lot of pressure on both Burton and Gilliland to perform this year, and the results really haven't been there, unfortunately, and you have to believe that, you know, maybe these decisions were made, you know, a while ago. Hard to say. We're, we're probably never going to know the full story, but, um, um, but yeah, I just went back and read what you've already talked about, Jay, and, you know, the fact that they announced someone to the Ford truck and they announced someone to the 18 truck uh, pretty much tells the tale, and, um, I don't know. We'll see what happens, but uh, yeah, it would it would appear that there's some you know significant changes for at least Kyle Busch Motorsports moving into the next season. Yes, indeed. Okay, um, there was one other topic that I had uh, that I'm going to bring up here. Unless you had something more that you wanted to say, Jay. Well, in in. And I hadn't even really thought about it like that way. I mean, that could be, I mean, we all know his personality. That could be Kyle Bush's response to what happened. I mean, they can say they talked about it and everything's okay, but I think that there in and of itself is Kyle Bush's way of saying the same thing back. You know, I'm not going to announce mm-hmm. that you're out of the team, but I'm gonna, or out of the truck, but I'm going to announce that there are, is another driver in it. You figure it out, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that is uh, dealt with from Todd Gilliland's perspective. Um, okay, the the other topic, we kind of talked about this on Monday night, and so as a follow-up, I wanted to just point out that it was reported by Matt Weaver at Auto Week that uh, uh, Steve O'Donnell has said that they are evaluating options for short tracks and road courses for next season. So uh, they recognize uh, that the high downforce package has taken its toll in both of those formats. So they are looking at what options they might have for next season to make a few changes uh, to make the racing better. So uh, what we wish for seems to be what they are doing. So, uh, Jay, any follow-up, any comments on that? I, I wish I had the answer. I mean, I, this is one where, again, I don't necessarily agree with the way they go about expressing their displeasure. Um, some of the drivers, 
but there there is something that I think does need to be done. Um, my perspective of it is I still think it has to do with the front end arrow uh, for that lead car, no matter whether they have a good car or not, whether they have two tires or not, that that clean air and being out front is so important. And I think that could be done on the nose. The problem comes in, I know that's very hard because that is one of the areas that manufacturers look at as an identifiable area when you're matching their on uh, streetcar look to the NASCAR look. I don't never did mm-hmm. like the fact that all cars went to the same front end. Again, you could take a Chevy nose off and put it on a Toyota and put the Toyota sticker on it. You'd never know. So I like and understand the manufacturer's uh, perspective from that, as well as that connection to the fans, because that's again, what a lot of fans look at. So, but I think that is, again, I'm not an engineer, um, but I think that is where it starts with is that front end arrow. And I, I'm not, I know it opens up a lot of other things when we went back to the days of different spoilers and stuff where maybe each team needs a little bit different numbers in order to make each of them competitive to each other, if you will. Uh, and I go back to when we had different size spoilers for different teams. So that might be one thing. I don't know what they can do as a whole. Um, but again, and I also believe too that that the teams as a whole, uh, and I, I hate to always use Kyle Bush, but he's been the most vocal about it. When he says you can't pass with that car, we've seen other cars, his teammates, as a matter of fact, make passes yeah. with the car. <laughs> so I think some of it just comes down to driver. I think some of it comes down to teams. We all know the Chevy teams have struggled with the Chevrolet Camaro. Uh, so they obviously need to look at their package with it. You know, and I think given another year, the teams they will figure it out because they do have smart engineers. I'm not one of them, but they do have some um, out there <laughs> and that the teams will figure it out and do a good chunk of that improving the on track themselves. But I think there are a couple areas where NASCAR as a whole could look at it and try and help it along. Okay. Now, just as a quick note here, Andy, uh, before we go to you, is that NASCAR or Chevrolet did come out to say they are adjusting that nose next season for the Chevrolets. So right now, one of the problems on the super speedways in particular, uh, or where it's more aero-dependent, is that the nose of that Chevrolet does not line up as well uh, with the bumper and is a little bit more difficult for the drivers to kind of uh, use the arrow dynamics of that race uh, to their advantage. So uh, they did announce that they're making some changes uh, in that regard. But, Andy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, so with the Chevrolet, it's it's a little bit of a rounder nose, I think, on the front, which will allow the bumpers to line up more. Um, I'm not really sure what effect that will have on the overall season, but I think for super speedways, it will allow um, cars to line up better, and we may see more tandem drafting without the racks, you know, which is the goal, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um but but in terms of them, in terms of NASCAR looking at ways to improve the road courses and the short tracks, I applaud them 100%. I think that um, in our group messaging the other night, I, I had some fairly strong opinions about Phoenix. The fact is, Phoenix is a, ISM Raceway is a great racetrack. We've seen fantastic racing there over yeah. the years. Um, it really has the potential to be good, but with this package, this high downforce package. 
um, it just creates so much dirty air that it, it, once you get out front, it's so difficult to pass for anyone behind them. Um, you know, and, and much like Jay said, you know, I don't believe I'll ever be able to develop the, the true answer for this by any means. But that being said, um, you know, take away the downforce, give them the horsepower, and for God's sake, make a tire that wears. And so the drivers have to manage the tire wear, and, and that's when you see passing, when when you can see someone manage the right rear throughout the course of a 50-60-70 lap run to where they have the best tires at the end and can go from 10th to 1st, you know, that's what creates the passing. But when you have a tire that won't wear with high downforce, that's why we see some of the racing that we've seen, you know, and I think that there's certainly room for improvement. Again, I don't necessarily have the answer. I have an opinion, and I hope that we, we see at least some changes um, that promotes passing and, and better racing because ISM Raceway is a fantastic racetrack, but this package does not support good racing there, unfortunately. Yeah, and I think part of what's driving that whole conversation is people started realizing that that's where the championship races are going to take place next season. And, you know, it, it's hard to to think about uh, you know, the champion being the guy who got, was the first guy to get out front and get that clean air when the other drivers uh, have difficulty getting around him and passing. Um, but but you're right. One thing that I have noticed this season is that while some drivers are complaining about the package, there are other drivers that are making it work for them. And it goes back to, and I know I've used this as an example several times, uh, when when uh, I you know I heard so many drivers complaining about the bumps over in turn three at Chicagoland Speedway. Uh, Eric Jones, who ended up winning that race, uh, when I asked him the question about those bumps, he said it was his job to figure out how to get around those bumps, and that's what he spent his time doing. Him and his team figuring out how they can manage that in order to get around those. And and that's what I think a lot of these drivers are kind of missing in their part is that they they they've got a, they've got the same package as everybody else and if other people are figuring it out uh, that should be a clue to them that they need to spend more time figuring it out for themselves how to make that work uh, especially if it's working for your teammates and in this case. That's that's exactly what was happening. Is it was working? It's working for the teammates, but you've got one driver who's saying it's not working. Uh, and rather than you know trying to figure it out with him and his team, uh, they're 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 really down on the package. So I, I I get where they're coming from. I do get it, and I do think it is needed for the short tracks and for the road courses. Uh, but I hope NASCAR takes into consideration the, the whole picture there, too. Um, and, and one of the things that was pointed out here, by the way, is NASCAR, I'm going to read this because this is kind of a, an interesting statement. Um, let me see if I can find that statement now. Somewhere along the line here. Um, Okay, is that they wanted to come up with a different package for the short tracks and the and NASCAR wanted to have a different package for the short tracks and the road courses 
But what held them up from doing that is the race team allowance, who said that it would save them money if they didn't have to come up with a different package for the short tracks and the road courses. And I think that is a a part of this that is not well known to the general fan. And I, I applaud Matt for bringing that out here, is that NASCAR initially wanted uh, to have that different package for those tracks, but it was the Race Team Alliance who put a hold on it. So any follow-ups there? Jay? Well, that's one of those where you kind of got to be careful what you ask for. The teams were saying hey, the Race Team Alliance was was big on the cost-cutting and saving money, just as they were with the pit guns and several other things. So, yeah, I understand their viewpoint of if you got to have a different car for each style of track, whether it be the short track, the intermediates, the super speedways, and then the road courses, that they want to find a common ground where they can just have one car that will fit all tracks. But with that, then again, just as with tires or with the aero package, you're not going to have something that fits every style the exact same way into your specific driver's liking. And that's where then you got to step up and man up and, and handle it and deal with it. Um, like you said, that's my job then to get the best out of it or do adjust what I need to in order to make it perform the way I want to between you and your crew chief and your team. So uh, I think that that's one of those, like I said, you know, careful what you ask for, you might get it. I, I think it's another example, though, of NASCAR taking the brunt than the heat for something that wasn't of their own doing. Uh, what's actually said here is that several drivers have called for NASCAR to implement a shorter rear spoiler for these tracks next season, even though the 2020 rules have already been released, almost identical to the status quo. That's actually what NASCAR wanted to do this season, but that move was vetoed by the Race Team Alliance, which did not want to R&D two different race packages. So there you have it. It's not really NASCAR that that put the kibosh on that. So, Andy, your thoughts? Yeah, I find it interesting, um, you know, that they would, you know, the Race Team Alliance would, would – would have would veto that I guess you could say um I, I feel like it's always in the team's best interest along with NASCAR to try to provide the best product for for the fans you know and ultimately sponsors who put in the funding you know to to make these teams go so um that that's interesting that's not something I knew honestly but I I think that um when you look at the the performance of the Phoenix race, which will be the finale next year. Um, there's not a lot to look forward to unless there's some changes made. So uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully people brainstorm a little bit and figure something out. Um, you know, I, I think that the package is okay. You know, I'm still, you know, we're talking about the, the overall package we've seen in 2019. It has promoted closer racing, more passing. Mm-hmm. So I think that we're certainly on the right track for sure, um, but it doesn't necessarily work everywhere. And I think that for sure um, some tweaks will need to be made moving forward. And hopefully that's what we see because, you know, um, I, I think when when you look at the season finale, we want to promote, something that is going to be exciting for the fans. Absolutely. And I think, 
you know, when I read that, it's not something that I knew either, Andy. And I, like I say, I, I applaud Matt for kind of bringing that to everyone's attention because it happens a lot where NASCAR takes the heat for something that really wasn't of their own doing. And NASCAR was really, you know, they really made a concerted effort to try to listen to the team owners and drivers uh, in the beginning and then when it didn't work out the way they thought it would, uh, they all complained about it. So, um, uh, because they didn't want to invest in the two RD, uh, you know, the two different race packages. So, uh, you know, I, I, um, I do think the racing overall has been better, Andy, to the point that you're making. It, I think if you look at all of the other races, we've seen, uh, some really good racing, not just for the lead, but the stage racing uh, that goes on and and even those drivers that are looking to position themselves, uh, you know, in, in um, uh, different phases of, you know, contending for the championship. So I think overall the package has been good, but it, there there is maybe some problems uh, that NASCAR obviously recognized at the beginning of this season uh, but was vetoed in making those changes to make the racing better at short tracks as well as uh, road courses. So, um, you know, if they go back and do what NASCAR wanted to do in the beginning, uh, you know, <laughs> it goes back to who do you, you – you can't complain about it if if you were part of the group that vetoed it. So, you know, we'll have to see what they come up with for next season. But I think we kind of called for that when we were talking about this on Monday. And so when I saw this article, I thought it was really good that NASCAR has responded. Well, next year when it becomes the uh, Jay Houston Cup Series, we'll, we'll make some wholesale <laughs> changes and we'll get it right. <laughs> uh, you, you, misread, you, you misread that. It is not next year. There's There's no date with it. But I can tell you this, it's not next year. 2021. I don't remember what ahead, number we came up with, what number we came up with, what, with what money we needed, but whatever it is, I'm short majority of it. <laughs> you and me both, bud. <laughs> Well, we'll have to pull together our pennies and nickels and dimes and see what we can do for for uh, the 2021 season. Okay, uh, we are past our time frame here, so I know we'll have to uh, kind of wind it down, but I thought we had some really great discussion tonight, so thank you to you guys for, for all that you do to contribute to uh, the conversation here on NASCAR Hot Topics. I appreciate you guys. And uh, I appreciate uh, all that you've contributed this season. Uh, I'm sad to see us uh, wind down for our preview show, Jay. Uh, but, uh, again, I'm hoping that we can kind of revive that again next season and uh, be back on air to kind of keep fans informed of what to look forward to for the upcoming races in 2020. I certainly hope so. I know we've done some talking about that and uh, some changes, but that at this point is my plan as well. Okay, that's good to hear. And Andy, uh, you, would you think you'll be with us for Monday night's hot topic? Sound off? Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, 100%. Um, 
you know, glad to be on tonight. Certainly this is a big night for news um, going into the um, championship weekend. And, uh, yeah, I, I expect to be on Monday night as we uh, finish things off. You know, I can't believe we're at this time yet again, um, you know, but uh, it's been it's been a really fun year and it's gone quick. So um hope everyone enjoys the, uh, the racing this weekend. Thankfully for me, um, I specifically bid to take this weekend off so I could watch everything and, uh, re- oh, and uh, cap off the season um, and, you know, see all the races. So looking forward to it. Hope everyone enjoys it. And, uh, again, I can be followed on Twitter at ALASB14. And uh, we'll be back Monday as we uh, cap it off. Okay, Jay, your social media stuff. Oh. All right. You can follow me on MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. Michael Hoosman on Facebook, and if you see me at the track at all, either the picture I take or the videos I do might shake a little bit as it's going to be cold, so haven't made that decision yet if I'm going to venture out to the track or not, but uh, why not Motorsports Park is running the fall classic, and I'm not real bright, so more than likely Saturday night I'll be out there no matter what the temperature. Okay. I was hoping Chris Crichton was going to join us tonight. I don't know if he called in. I didn't see him call in throughout the evening. Uh, But we'll work on trying to get him to uh, call in at some point. uh, um, I thought thought you said he was coming Monday night. Oh, that's right. It's Monday night. Is it Monday night? Let me look at this again. Yeah, I I think you told me he was going to join us Monday night. That's right. He's going to join us Monday night for the Hot Topic, so that'll make it pretty interesting as well. You are absolutely correct. I just happened to think about that, and I'm going, I don't remember seeing him. We will also have Bill McAnally uh, from Bill McAnally Racing on the show with us at 9 o'clock on Monday night. So that'll be something for fans to to, uh, look forward to. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll see if I can't get one of the champions on on Monday night. That's a, a little tough to do because they are so demanded uh, time-wise. But uh, we'll see what we can do for other guests for Monday night as well. And uh, a big, big shout-out to all of our listeners to our NASCAR Weekend Preview Show. Uh, thank you so much for hanging in with us throughout the season. And uh, do know that we will be back in, for the 2020 season uh, with our NASCAR Weekend Preview Show. And as Jay alluded to and Andy uh, we're looking at doing some uh, uh, rebranding, if you will, uh, for next season. And so uh, during the off season, we will be talking about uh, p- potential changes uh, uh, to kind of make it better. So if you have any suggestions, uh, uh, shoot me a, a message on Facebook or Twitter and, and let me know your thoughts if you have any suggestions for us. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. And with that, guys, we are going to call it a wrap. Have a good night. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the championship weekend. Good night, everybody. Happy race weekend.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.